after the changes, such as capping at £26,000 the annual amount of benefits a household can claim. Well, Labour MP Frank Field, who's a former welfare minister, says it's wrong. People are going to run into rent arrears. Rent arrears won't be collected. People will get used to behaving badly. The whole thing is is going to be grim for the country, but particularly grim for those people who the government's trying to bully. Meanwhile, there's been a controversial shake-up in the way the NHS in England's organised. Clinical commissioning groups led by GPs have taken charge of a large portion of the NHS budget. They'll decide how to spend funds on local services from hospital to community-based clinics. People we spoke to in the three counties seem to be unaware, though, of those changes, including Alina from Luton. I'm not too sure about what changes are taking place. I suffer from a long-term illness, so I'm constantly within the GP surgery and hospital, but yet I'm not aware of the changes which are taking place within the NHS. Parents angry at Lutonborough Council for taking away school transport for their children have had an e-petition with more than a 1,000 names rejected. The local authority said it couldn't accept the form without addresses. Members of the Cardinal Newman Preserve Our School Transport Committee plan to return to the council offices today with a paper petition in an attempt to force a debate on the issue. And scientists from Salford University have given a warning that substantial quantities of whitefish in Britain are labelled incorrectly. They discovered that 7% of cod and had it was in fact cheaper fish. Dr Stefano Mariani, who led the research, explains why it might be mislabelled. And in Championship news, Leeds United manager Neil Warnock has parted company with the Championship club. Warnock left his job around two hours after Leeds, 2-1 defeat by Derby on Monday. So let's turn to the weather then, and it's cold and frosty, but then we're going to see some bright sunny spells later on. Temperatures of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Frost on my windscreen in April. No, 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 no. Hands up who had the worst night's sleep ever last night. Just me. Just me. Terrible night's sleep. Made worse because we've just moved into our new house. We haven't got curtains in all of the rooms yet. So my eldest, when I was saying to him, it's bedtime now, it was brilliant sunshine. It's not bedtime, Daddy. It's still daytime. So we had an argument for about 30 minutes. Finally got him upstairs into bed. He's lying in bed, but Daddy, it's still light. I said, well, I know, you know, that, that when winter turns into spring and the clocks have gone forward, and trying to explain all this conceptual stuff to a three-year-old. And he said, well, I tell you what, Daddy, why don't we sit up and look at the sky until it goes dark? Then I'll go to sleep. Oh, yeah, right, I see, like that, is it? He went to sleep, woke up at 11, got into bed with me, and then weed everywhere. It was... No, he did, did. I woke up with a three-year-old climbing all over me, going, Daddy, I've done a wee-wee. Oh, thanks thanks so much. What did I do? I put a towel on it and went back to sleep. Good morning. Lots coming up in the show. Lots has been happening in uh, Beds, Hearts and Bucks overnight, including... A football fan has been stabbed after their coach was attacked in Luton yesterday. Reporter Justin Dealey has been finding out what happened, and he'll be joining me next. Now, you know if you drop passengers off at Luton Airport, it's going to cost you a pound for ten minutes. We all know that. Well, guess what? From today, the charge has increased. It's now two pounds, but you get an extra five minutes. Worth the extra money or just a complete rip-off? And solicitors have warned people could start taking the law into their own hands as changes to legal aid come into force. 
We'll be looking at what the changes are and how you could be affected. Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, and look, the phone lines are completely free, for goodness sakes. Why don't you give me a phone call? Are you going to be the first caller on the show this morning? Talking about any of the stuff I've mentioned or anything else. It doesn't really matter. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Street near the Mansfield Road Junction. Well, Justin Dealey has more details. Justin, what, what, what do we know so far? Ian, good morning. Well, um, the two men were among five busloads of supporters who had travelled up to support Kidderminster Harriers against Luton Town yesterday. Bedfordshire Police said as the coach is queued in the traffic about a mile from Kenilworth Road. This didn't happen outside the ground, so around a mile from Kenilworth Road, an argument argument broke out between local residents and Kidderminster supporters in the rear coach. So so that's what happened after the game yesterday. So when ex- when exactly did it happen? What happened after the game is that the vehicles were leaving Luton on the return journey back to Kidderminster. Uh, a police spokesman said it led to the coach being attacked. Then some of the supporters got off to remonstrate and this is when a fight ensued. Two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital for non-life-threatening injuries, although one of those fans was stabbed twice. Has anyone been arrested? Four local men uh, have been arrested over this and police are now investigating the violence which broke out in Dunstable Street. This was near the Mansfield Road Junction. Police said the attackers did not appear to have any connection to Luton Town. I think this is quite key here, Ian, that that's what the police are saying. Uh, Lots of reports last night about who may have done this. Was it connected to Luton Town? The police are saying that's not the case. Kidderminster won the game. They won the game 2-1, which has now left them top of the conference table. What have people been saying about this, Justin? Well, Steve Millington, the chairman of the Kidderminster Harry's Independent Supporters Trust, he said that we deplore the attack on the coach. This shouldn't happen in football or society in general. He goes on to say that we are pleased to hear the injuries to the lad who was stabbed are not thought to be life-threatening and we wish both these who were taken to hospital a speedy recovery. A spokesman for the East of England Ambulance Service confirmed it had taken two men to hospital. They say we conveyed two people, one a 38-year-old man, to the Luton and Dunstable Hospital. And as always with things like this, there was lots of speculation on Twitter and Facebook and other social media sites. But We should all mm. be taken with a slight pinch of salt, but what kind of things have, have people been saying on there? Well, all sorts of things were being said last night before we saw this police statement. You may have seen on Twitter last night people's views, again, towards Luton Town supporters and what sort of fans they are. Well, the police of course, in their statement, which came out last night said we believe the attackers have no connection to Luton Town Football Club and this did happen not outside the ground it happened around a mile away from the ground as well but the club as well quick to distance themselves obviously we don't know the true facts and 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 those facts again may come out later in the day as the day goes on but clearly a lot of people with nasty comments about Luton Town and their supporters but the police quick to come out last night and say this attack happened but we believe at this moment in time there is no connection to Luton Town Football Club. Justin, thanks for that. What, what, what can we expect from you, from you for the rest of the morning? Well, I'll be heading up to the area very, very soon. We believe last night, still quite late into the night, there was a police presence there. Is that presence still there? And we'll try and speak to a few locals as well who may have seen this happen yesterday. Justin Dealey, thank you very much.
This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555. They've increased the waiting charges at Luton Airport. Was a quid? Now it's two quid. I think a quid was a rip-off, let alone two. Jackie Wilson, but that's the only song I know of his. I tell a lie, Rick Petit. Did he have any other songs? Oh wait, four five nine, four double five, five double five. He must have done. He can't just have had two songs. No one's just had two songs, have they? Have they? Well, that would be a waste of such a great talent. Oh wait, four five nine, four double five, five double five. If you ever could look at the front pages. Uh, of the newspapers. The Guardian, Osborne, we will make work pay. Chancellor defends welfare changes as necessary to fix a broken system. And then there's that quote from uh, Ian Duncan Smith. I could live on £53 a week. (laughs) Okay, okay, I couldn't. I couldn't. And lambs to the slaughter, melting snow reveals frozen carcasses. I don't know why people are being upset that these lambs are found dead, because, hey, you were going to... Kill them anyway, weren't you? <laughs> we're not, why are we getting all maudlin about that? The Independent. Um, uh, welfare reform, the battle begins. Could Ian Duncan Smith survive on £53 a week? He says he could. So it's lucky that he gets to live in his millionaire wife's listed ancestral home rent-free. Um, uh, the Chancellor, George Osborne, will launch a scathing attack today on churches and charities that oppose the government's welfare cuts. Hours after his Cabinet colleague, Ian Duncan-Smith, claimed he could live on £53 a week in Benefits the Times. 
There's a picture of Michelle Obama reading a book. I don't, um, I don't quite know why we're looking at that. Michelle Obama reads to children at the 135th White House Easter egg roll. And that's on the front page of a British newspaper or any newspaper in the world for, for no reason whatsoever. Um, £1 billion plan to put Britain on the road to recovery. Um, and also making press pay law costs, a, uh, law costs a breach of human rights. Proposals to force new p- newspapers to pay all the costs of legal cases, even if they win, would be a breach of human rights. I do like the fact that these newspapers, getting very upset that their human rights are being broached, the Times, oh no, not our human rights, yet they've been attacking the human rights bill for the last, I don't know, however long it's been in place. The Daily Express, um, they are slowly trying to make the Countess of Wessex the new Princess of Diana. After there was a picture of her backside on yesterday, how stylish Sophie became one of the world's greatest assets. They mean ass. Uh, and fish is key to a longer life. Eat it twice a week to cut risk of early death. Oh, for goodness sakes, Daily Express. I don't know. Why don't you put a news story on the front page? I, it's just an idea. There's a suggestion from me. I don't work in newspapers. What do I know? But maybe put uh, a, a news story on the front page. Uh, and the Daily Mail. Schools expel 15 sex bullies a day. 15 children are expelled from school for sexual misconduct, misconduct every day. Uh, and then they've also got the um, Ian Duncan Smith... You you live on 53 quid a week then, but they've they found the gentleman who challenged IDS to live on 53 pounds a week. He's a gambler and self-confessed ducker and diver. Where did they get this information from? From his description on Twitter. That's where they got it from. His description on Twitter. I think my description on Twitter says I'm an idiot or something. It doesn't necessarily steady, for goodness sakes. What's this? David Bennett, 51. His Twitter account even had the profile poker player, self-employed ducker and diver... Yesterday it was changed to Market Trader. And The Sun, war vets boycott fascist Decanio. Angry World War II veterans are boycotting Sunderland Games after self-confessed fascist Paolo Decanio got the manager's job. Is he actually a fascist? I've I've been following this story very loosely. I know nothing about the gentleman. Is he actually a fascist? When he said he was a fascist, did he mean... He was a real fascist in the true sense of the word, in the way that the Nazis were. Or did he just mean, you know, I, I, I boss my team around? I, I don't know. Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five six fifteen. Travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's not looking too bad on the roads this morning. If you're heading on to the M25 anti-clockwise, though, a little further south at Junction 15 for the M4, the main carriageway is completely closed for a vehicle fire. Traffic is being diverted onto the M4. And there's some roadworks which might cause problems later. Over in High Wycombe, New Road has temporary lights up around the electricity work between Fernyfields and Squirrel Lane. In Denham, Denham Avenue has electricity work running around Tile House Lane. And the M25 has a speed restriction of 50 miles an hour between Junction 20 at South Mims to 25 for Enfield in both directions. Uh, that's the latest. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Morning, it's 6.16. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of April. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. Car park charges at Luton Airport have increased today. The drop-off and pick-up zone is now £2 for a 15-minute wait, whereas before it was just a pound for 10 minutes. In sport, Leeds United manager Neil Warnock has parted company with the Championship Club. 
The weather for beds, hearts and bucks, a cold and frosty but bright start. The rest of the day will remain dry and bright with some sunny spells. Maximum temperature is 7 degrees. Coming up, controversial changes to the NHS are now in effect. Private companies will play a much bigger role in delivering care. Before 6.30, we'll find out more about the changes and how they will affect you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday morning from nine. The JVS Show. With the biggest questions. Today on the big phone-in, I'm asking, would you support some dog breeds being removed from this country? Should traffic wardens be more lenient? Would the government be right to drop the minimum price for alcohol? And the biggest opinions. I think the tax is completely unfair. It doesn't matter how old they are or how young they are. They're still your children. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female or what. I'm disgusted with the people that... You should have cut them people off. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, to drop off, drop off people at Luton Airport, uh, it was a pound for ten minutes. A pound for ten minutes. I was so surprised when I found that. Most other airports that I'm aware of are free. Well, it's gone up. And the person who told us was Alan in Harpenden. Morning, Alan. Morning, Ian. You're very keen this morning. We got a phone call from you, what, at about twenty past five. Tell us, you, you spotted this increase in charges. Tell us what happened this morning, Alan. Well, I was quite surprised. I had a pop along to drop, drop my daughter off, and uh, quarter to five is a good time to get there, I think. And I was, you, you pull in normally, pay your pound, ten minutes, and off you go. And there's a sign standing there saying two pounds. I thought, this is a bit um, April Fool's, perhaps, is it? Mm. But no, it's 100% rise. And I was there three days earlier picking her up, and it's 100% rise. So I was able to speak to the chap who was by the barrier, and I said, is this, is this right? When did this happen? Oh, it happened this morning, he said. He managed to contain his smile. He was very pleasant about it. But I've only got a pound. I've only driven from Harpenden. I didn't expect to spend two pounds. So he very kindly raised the barrier and I was on my way. But it left me with a strange feeling. 100% pay rise there. Well, I, I can already... I, I'm sure Luton Airport would say, well, hang on a second, uh, Mr Allen in Harpenden. It's not 100%. You're getting an extra five minutes for that second pound. So it, it was a pound for ten minutes before. Now it's two pounds for 15 minutes, I think. Well, that's just uh, semantics, isn't it? None of us use ten minutes in the first place. You, you turn up, you drop off, and off you go. Two minutes later, you don't need 15 minutes. You're not, not as if you're allowed to leave your car alone there. You've still got to remain with it. You do get, uh, I, I think I'm right in saying, 30 minutes for free in the short-term car park. You do indeed, and I use that. That's very good indeed. But there was no indication mm. whatsoever that there was this 100% rise and just turn up there. And a lot of people are going to turn up this morning just with a pound in their pocket, and they're going to find themselves in the dire straits, I should imagine. It, it does. I, I, I've always thought the dropping off charges, and listen, I'm not one for knocking Luton Airport. I know other people on the station do. I use Luton Airport a lot, and I, it, uh, it's always been very helpful and very good to me. But I do find the paying a pound, or paying two pounds now, the, the charging to drop someone off is a very cheeky concept, I think. Uh, I think cheeky is a very good word. Mm. It doesn't seem to happen at any other airport. You turn up, drop your people off, smile on the face, everyone's happy. But for people to pay £2 to pick up and £2 to drop off is just, uh, yeah, as you say, very cheeky. Alan, what would your message be to Luton Airport this morning? Well, I'd reconsider this. I think a pound for ten minutes was um, very a very good price, very fair price, but £2 is just... Um, Taking the mic a little bit, I think. Alan, I appreciate your phone call and for getting in touch with us. We've checked their website. Yes, it is up on their website. They kept it quiet, didn't they? Kept it a little bit quiet. Did you know about this? 
If you're going to the airport this morning, could you give us a call? Or if you've been, 08459 455 555. Keen to know um, what's, what's happening? Were you made aware of this? How helpful would they be? Also, if you're a taxi driver... Were you aware of this? I'm assuming that you'll have to whack that on your fares. If you're going to Luton Airport this morning, either as a passenger, as dropping someone off, or a cab driver, or you've been there, 08459 455 555. We'll try and get Luton Airport on the phone. I suspect we won't. They're never very forthcoming with us for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. Three Counties Radio here. Lots to talk about. Would love to talk to you this morning if you've been to or you're going to Luton Airport to drop someone off. They've increased the charges. 08459 455 555. You can also go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, controversial changes to the NHS are now in effect. Private companies will play a much bigger role in delivering care. The government says it will give you, as a patient, more choice. Critics say it amounts to privatisation by the back door. Well, Annette Gamel is the Chief Clinical Officer of Chiltern Clinical Commissioning Group, which serves thousands of people in Buckinghamshire. She joins me now. Good morning, Annette. Good morning. How does the, the, the group work? Um, well, we're a, a membership group, so the GP practice in our area are members of the organisation. So for Chiltern uh, Clinical Commissioning Group, we have 35 practices, so that's GPs, nurses and other staff in those practices. We also have a, a core team with managers, um, and um, they, they have skills in, in commissioning. We work closely with partnership organisations, that's the local authority, public health, um, hospital doctors, um, and we buy 
uh, we will be buying um, services for our patients and um, working closely with the pub- public. What do you mean buying services for the patients? What does that mean? Um, what, what commissioning is, is about is about paying for the health care um, in our local area, in our population. So in, for, for us in Chilton, it's um, South Buckinghamshire, so it's Wickham, South Bucks um, and the Chilton areas. So uh, we have a budget uh, from the Department of Health, so it's an amount allocated to our area. And with that, we buy, we pay the providers um, who provide care for our patients and population. So that's urgent care, routine care, district nurses, mental health, maternity, rehabilitation, those sorts of things. What difference will patients notice? Um, patients will, will, over time, notice that, that clinical commissioning groups have made a difference. But it's not going to be from day one. But always remembering that, that, that we have, as a group, been, been working with our PCT and previously as a practice-based commissioning group for a while. So there have already been some changes, and those are about um, care um, that is delivered in the community more, more close to patients' homes. Um, it's about improving the quality and the patients being able to talk to GPs who are involved in this commissioning so they, they will see that they are able to um, be involved much more in the, in the care that is bought and delivered. Um, we, we have um, area lo- localities and we've had some local public um, forums and we will have more of those so we would encourage our, our local population to get involved with those because they are our eyes and ears on the ground if you like they can talk to our gps talk to us we will be m- much more visible and they can get involved in those a- local area groups and indeed in their own uh, general practice patient participation it, w- w- if you're not happy with a particular service will you get more of a say absolutely that's, that is the whole, uh, one of the main purposes of, the, of, of this uh, change that's going on in the NHS, so that, so that the, the delivery and the buying and the, the organisation of the NHS has much more of a say locally from our local population, from, from uh, patients, um, service users. Annette, do, do people want more of a say? Because I, I, I don't think I necessarily want a say. I just want to, you know, rock up to the doctors, get seen and, and, and go home. Do, do people want to say? Um, people do, do want to say, but you're absolutely right. What people really want is services that work really well, that are improved um, in terms of the care they give, the speed they give it with, that, that, that they're safe and, and quality is high. Um, and when they, they, when they go, they want to know there's more joined-up care, that their, their GP surgeries work well, their hospitals work well, social care when they need it works well. When those services aren't delivering all that they should, then patients uh, and public do want a voice. They do want to know who to speak to to make those changes so that those services work better for the future. And do you think enough has been done, uh, Annette, to inform people about the changes that are happening? I think um, it, it, the changes are quite quite complex. Um, a lot has been done, but it's going to be one of our uh, jobs as, as, as the local commissioning organisation to let people know what the, those changes mean, what services are available to them, um, what um, how, how to uh, how to have their say. And that will be one of our big priorities o- o- over the initial days and continuing to be very, very visible um, and transparent and to let patients and public know how they can get involved, how they can have their say 
and what the changes mean for them. Annette, thank you very much indeed. That's Annette Gamble, who is the Chief Clinical Officer of Chiltern Clinical Commissioning Group. You try saying that at 28 minutes past six in the morning. 08459 455 555. Right. Let's get the latest travel. Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Well, I've got the latest update on the accident on the M25. The clockwise carriageway is now open, but anti-clockwise is closed at junction 15 for the M4 because of a vehicle fire. Traffic is being diverted onto the M4. It's causing really long queues. There's congestion back on my cameras to junction 16 for the M40. And uh, over in High Wycombe, New Road, that has temporary lights up around the electricity work between Fernie Fields and Squirrel Lane. That might cause delays later. Having a look at the trains, London Midland are running a replacement bus service this morning between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a staff shortage. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. It's 6.30, time for the news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. A football fan's been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton yesterday. Car park charges at Luton Airport have increased today. Elsewhere, the Chancellor will set out a vigorous defence of the government's tax and welfare reforms, declaring that they'll make work pay. And parents angry at Luton Borough Council for taking away school transport for their children have had an e-petition with more than a 1,000 names rejected by the local authority. That's all the news. Now let's take a look at all the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So MK Dons entertained Brentford in League 1 and beat them 2-0 yesterday. That boosts the Dons to 10th position and still keeps their playoff hopes alive. Meanwhile, Graham Wesley took charge of his first match since his return to Stevenage. His side played Hartlepool. They're now 15th after a 1-0 victory. Max Emmer bagging the winning goal. Luton, though, lost to conference leaders Kidderminster Harriers 2-1. And in Championship news, Leeds United manager Neil Warnock's parted company with the Championship Club. Warnock left his job around two hours after the Leeds 2-1 defeat by Derby on Monday. And at the KC Stadium tonight, second-placed Hull play third-place Watford. A win for Gianfranco Zuller's side would move them to within a point of Hull. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more from me at seven. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 6.31. Lots cut. My computer just beeps. That's always a worrying sign that it's about to break down. Keep, keep our fingers crossed. We'll get some sellotape and some uh, chewing gum and hopefully we'll make it till nine o'clock. Then it's Jonathan Vernon Smith's problem. He can deal with it. Coming up between now and seven, solicitors have warned that people could start taking the law into their own hands as changes to legal aid come into force. We'll be looking at what the changes are and how you could be affected. One of the astounding things I was uh, shocked to find out is that up until now, People could get legal aid for divorces. Huh? Really? Hang on a minute. That's your fault. That's your fault. Well, that's been stopped. We'll find out more. 08459 455 555. I am going through a huge mamas and papas thing at the moment. Loving them. All the leaves are brown.
the chorus comes in, do you sing along with the mummers or the puppers? I sing with the mummers. Don't judge me for that. the mama's part on California Dreaming and then on Monday Monday I flip back and forth like a confused teenager I do I'm, I'm, I'm all over them I'm all over the mamas I'm all over the papas I'm going through a huge mamas and papas thing at the moment reading a brilliant book about mama cash I've got Papa John's book and I've just ordered another book about the mamas and papas I know they only did four albums I think now, legal aid is being scrapped for certain disputes. Now, it's not possible to get free legal advice to deal with some divorce battles and personal injury cases, amongst other civil cases. The government are making the cutbacks in an effort to cut the £2 billion annual bill. Solicitors have warned that people could start taking the law into their own hands. Well, Christina Blacklaws is Director of Policy at the Cooperative Legal Services. Morning, Christina. Good morning, Ian. Firstly, remind me, what is legal aid and, and who should get it? Who could get it in the past? Well, up until today, most people who were financially eligible could get legal aid for really any dispute in England and Wales. So any type of law. And what we're particularly concerned about is family issues. So divorce and family matters. So if you would, if you were financially eligible, you could get help if you needed a divorce or for example, um, financial or children's cases. And we estimate that about 200,000 people each year now won't get that sort of help and support, which is a real concern. I was surprised, Christina, that people got um, legal aid for divorce anyway. There will be some people uh, arguing, well, why, why should I contribute towards someone's divorce? That's, that's their problem. It's not a serious issue. What would you say to them? Well... I think if it's you, then it probably is a serious issue. Yes. For example, if you, you know if you're a dad and you can't see your children, there's no good reason for that, and you know, you've been made redundant, you've fallen on hard times. Then it's the most important thing to you in the world to be able to see your children, and it's important for society as well that we can help and support families to remain together. It's in children's best interest, in most cases, to have contact with both of their parents, and if they don't, there can be real consequences for society as a result other than divorce and personal injury which cases no longer qualify it's probably easier ian to say the ones that are left in actually um most civil um legal matters have been taken out of from legal aid from today so as i say all divorce and family matters the vast majority of them employment welfare benefits debt most of housing education the list goes on 
This it, uh, will, I would imagine, um, put uh, legal uh, help out of the financial reach of some people. What, what impact will these changes have on lower-income individuals? Well, I'm, I'm afraid a huge impact. But, of course, we must remember that actually most working people in this country don't think that they can afford legal services in any event. Um, and so we are, at the moment, we're calling upon all providers of legal services to join us in stopping the clock, in offering the public fixed fee, fixed cost legal services so that the public knows exactly what they're getting, what they're paying for that, and then they can be in in the control, they can be in the driving seat, they can make the decisions. But will solicitors want to be part of that? Because they're there to make money, of course, which is absolutely fine. Why why would they limit the amount of money they can make? Because it's in the public interest to do so and because organisations like ours are calling for it and are delivering it. So if we change the way that legal services are delivered in this country, then other people will follow us. To what extent will people start taking the law into their own hands? This is a real worry, Ian, because if people can't access justice, um, if they are too worried, intimidated and frightened by the costs of going to see a lawyer, then they may well take the law into their own hands. The alternative is that they pitch up at court and have to represent themselves, and that's a very unattractive proposition. So that's why we're offering reasonably costed fixed fees for everybody. Christina, thank you very much indeed. That's Christina Blacklaws, Director of Policy at the Cooperative Legal Services. Well, we contacted the Ministry of Justice, but they didn't have anyone available to talk to us. Justice Minister Lord McNally sent us this statement we need to make sure taxpayers money is not spent resolving too many disputes in court when there are quicker cheaper and less stressful options available at two billion pounds a year we have one of the most expensive legal aid systems in the world and it's now costing taxpayers too much at a time when resources are not limitless we had to make some difficult decisions and it was not a process we embarked on lightly but we have safeguarded legal aid to ensure lawyers are there for those who really need them if you've used legal aid I'm very lucky. My um, dealings with solicitors have, for the most part, been faintly pleasurable. There have been a few occasions when it's been dirty work, but generally it's, you know, it's been all right. I've not required the legal aid. If you've had legal aid for a divorce or a a housing issue or a family dispute or, or, or something like that, how helpful was it? Would you have been able to proceed with that case if you couldn't get legal aid? 08459 455 555. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. Let's have a little bit of Cat Stevens, shall we? We don't hear this one very often. I don't think this sits with his current views on life. Another Saturday night and I ain't got nobody. I've got some money because I just got paid. Frankenstein Ooh la, another Saturday night 
do like that song. I don't think it's, it necessarily sits in with his current beliefs uh, in Islam, but it's, it's still a cracking good song. So well done, Cat Stevens. Uh, there's a story that's in some of the papers today, which uh, we, we kind of touched on this yesterday. If you listen to yesterday's award-winning show, um, w- there was the whole discussion about, I- is it OK to call women love? And I think we agreed that, yes, as long as it's me that's doing it, it's fine. I think that's what we reached. Well, there's a story. This is from the Mail. It's in some of the other papers. First name terms, no, Mr and Mrs to you. Answering the phone halfway through dinner to a cold caller trying to sell you things you'll never want or need is bad enough. But what's worse is when they use your first name to do it. I hate that. They use your... Also, they don't... <sighs> Lee is not the surname I was born with. I know. Shock horror. I changed it by deed poll. My real name? It's Rugby. I know. I, I, it's changed. I, I didn't use it for various reasons. One of the reasons was no one can read it or pronounce it properly. So I know if I get a phone call at about half past seven in the evening from someone asking for Mr. Rougi or Mr. Rugi, or I, I know it's some idiot trying to um, sell me some stuff. The story goes on. It's not just strangers on the other end of a phone line that are a pain. Many are fed up with over-friendliness from a wide array of strangers, from coffee shop staff to bank workers. Um, Two-thirds of us hate it when we are dressed by our first name or start conversations with hi. I hate that in shops. If you're in, like, like a shop... Hi, mate, can I help you? Whoa! Hi, mate? No, no, no. First of all, I don't really want you to come and talk to me. If you do come and talk to me, it's... Excuse me, sir. Hi, mate, you are right. Hi, mate, you are right? Excuse me, sir, can I help you? I'd rather you didn't approach me, shop workers, to be honest. I'll, I'll come up to you when I'm ready. I, I, normally, I normally walk out. If, if someone comes up to me in the shop, Hi, mate, you are right? I go, yeah, I'm fine, I'll walk out. And also, they do this thing in Starbucks, don't they? And it, it is only Starbucks. You order a coffee. I want a coffee. Yeah, what's your name? Uh, huh? What's your name? Why? I'm going to write it on your cup. No, you're not. Why are you, you going to write... My Starbucks name is Steve. I know, it is. It's, it's my Starbucks name is Steve. What's your name? Steve. What are you going to do about it? I've done Dick. I've been Dick. I've done that. Of course I have. Dick? Is there a Dick here? Yeah, that's me. Uh, but I do, I do hate that over-friendliness. Can we bring back some kind of formality? Can we have Mr and Mrs and Sir and Madam? Can we, can we try and do that for the rest of the show? Let's have a bit of formality. Later on in the show, we'll be speaking to Mr Justin Dealey. 08459 555 555. You can tell I'm getting old. It's these little things that annoy the hell out of me. For the rest of the show, let's try and have a bit of formality. I'll be Mr Lee to you. When you call up, you'll address me as such. Thank you. Right. Let's get the travel now with Miss Perfect. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you kindly, sir. The queues are looking bad uh, this morning on the M25 anti-clockwise with congestion starting from Junction 16 for the M40 going all the way to Junction 15 for the M4. The anti-clockwise carriageway is closed for a vehicle fire. Traffic is being diverted onto the M4. Recovery work is underway, I'm told, so hopefully that will be cleared up shortly. In Denham, Denham Avenue, that has an electricity work running around Tilehouse Lane. That might cause delays later, as may the gas main works in Wealdstone on the high road at Risingham Road. And finally, with the trains under Midland have a replacement bus service between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of a staff shortage. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. Morning, it's 6.46. It's Tuesday the 2nd of April. I'm Mr Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. 
Parking at Luton's airport drop-off zone is now more expensive as charges have increased. In sport, MK Dons have kept their playoff hopes alive after beating Brentford 2-0 yesterday. Coming up, the new Director-General at the BBC starts his job today. Before seven, we'll hear more about the man taking over. But before that, let's get the latest weather with Ms Lewington. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, Mr Lee. Well, a cold but frosty start to the day. And throughout the day, well, there is going to be plenty of sunshine around. But those temperatures still not up to much. A northeasterly wind making it feel even colder than that high of just 7 degrees. Now, come tonight, there will be an increase in cloud cover. But that's not doing much to help the temperatures. They're dropping as low as minus 1. And as the cloud builds up throughout tomorrow, we could see that cloud translate into a little bit of wet weather. And in fact... With temperatures that low, we could be talking about sleet or snow. Tomorrow's high, just 7 degrees Celsius. But over the coming days, a change in wind direction, bringing in some milder air. By the beginning of next week, temperatures should be picking up, but there is likely to be a bit of unsettled weather before it truly feels like springtime. Thank you very much. You see? Just manners, that's all it takes. Tonight, Three Counties Sport concentrates on the top of the championship. There's a decent effort, they've hit the crossbar and it's gone in! We're live from the KC Stadium in Hull, as Watford hope to continue their assault on automatic promotion. Dini inside the box, can he cut it back for Fischer? Here is Matej Fischer, who scores and puts Watford ahead! You can hear the whole game live on FM, AM, online and digital radio. And Dini has scored! Three Counties Sport, tonight from 7 on BBC Three Counties Radio. In another life on another radio station, I once said I don't like reggae and I don't like Bob Marley. I then had a load of phone calls from people calling me a racist. <laughs> because I don't like a genre of music? I don't think so. All right, we're jamming. I wanna jam it with you. We're jamming, jamming. And I hope you like jamming too.
song be a bit you want to take a bit more uplifting than that as I can't imagine any couples would have Bob Marley jamming as their song it seems an odd um, an odd choice but there you go some people are strange hey new signs in Milton Keynes kids we've been uh, updated new signs welcoming you to Milton Keynes I've, I've got a picture of one of them here in front of me welcome to Milton Keynes with the lovely uh, MK logo blue M green K how much do these signs cost and how many are there? You do wonder. There are, surely there are more important things to invest in. And uh, are they going to attract people to Milton? Oh, there's new signs at Milton Keynes. We should go, we should go down there. Oh, no. Everything inside is pretty much the same as it was, but they've got new signs. Let's go and have a cheeky look at that, shall we? Right. The new Director General of the BBC starts his new job today. Tony Hall takes over following the Jimmy Savile sex abuse scandal, which led to the resignation of his predecessor, George Antwistle. So, what are the main challenges for the new man at the top? My boss. Well, Charlie Beckett is a former BBC producer and a former editor at ITN. The money's been cut and there isn't going to be much more in the future. But I think it's bigger than that, actually. I think it's about... Uh, when you think about what's happened over the Jimmy Savile scandal uh, and that kind of loss of confidence, perhaps, uh, in the BBC, but also about the future of the BBC with the Charter renewal coming up, uh, I think it's a, a time when the BBC really has to uh, stand up and explain to us uh, what it's about and why we should support it. Lord Hall is joining from the Royal Opera House, where he's been in charge for the past 12 years. Before that, he spent nearly three decades at the BBC as a journalist, editor and senior manager. The media commentator Paul Conyu says his knowledge of BBC News should help him to get to grips with the department whose failings helped bring down his predecessor. One thing he doesn't need to address, though, is appointing a director of news. And, um, and I think you know, rumours are that uh, it could well be James Hart the former editor of the Times, which would be an interesting appointment. Um, but I think, I think someone to head up the news division is uh, is obviously crucial, um, both in terms of restoring morale and, of course, that was the area in which so much went wrong. It's understood Lord Hall will be updated on the ongoing review into Jimmy Savile's time at the BBC and the separate investigation into allegations of bullying and sexual harassment at the corporation. He's also expected to meet union leaders amid threats of further strike action over job cuts. Jean Seaton is a professor of media history at Westminster University. She says he's got a big job to do. He's got to remoralise the BBC, I think. You know, cheer people up, but bash some heads together. And... That might be quite painful. At the same time as not covering up anything that's 
gone in the past. But he's a big man. I feel relatively optimistic about that. I don't want my head bashed together. The new Director-General takes over at a tough time for the BBC. He knows a lot of work needs to be done to restore public trust. You never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lips There's no tenderness like grief in your fingertips You're trying hard not to show it
the Righteous Brothers. They really do give it everything. Singers these days, they don't give it everything, do they? You can hear those men virtually, you know, well, he's just very vulgar there. But, you know, you're really putting everything into that song. And pop stars these days, they just... They're a little bit lazy in comparison to the Righteous Brothers. Here's the travel news. Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you. Well, traffic is picking up across the three counties, particularly on the motorways. The M25 has patchy delays anti-clockwise. On my speed sensors, traffic is slow at Junction 25 for Enfield. Further round at Junction 20 for Kings Langley. That's also heavy there too. Once past that, the anti-clockwise carriageway is completely closed at Junction 15 for the M4 because of investigation work to an accident earlier. Traffic is queuing back from Junction 16 for the M40. It'll take about half an hour to get through the queues and onto the diversion, which is the M4. And a quick look at public transport this morning. London Midland are running a replacement bus service between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey because of staff shortage. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Brooke. Coming up in the next hour of the show, dropping passengers off at Luton Airport cost you a quid. Well, it didn't up until today. Now it's two quid. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Here's Serena. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, the headlines. Football fans bus attacked in Luton. Parking charges go up Luton's at airport and MK Dons keep their playoff hopes alive. BBC Three Counties Radio. A football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction following the game with Kidderminster Harriers in which the Hatters lost 2-1. Bedfordshire police say an argument broke out between local residents and it doesn't appear to have any connection to the football club. Four local men have since been arrested. Car park charges at Luton Airport have increased today. The drop-off and pick-up zone is now £2 for a 15-minute wait, whereas before it was a pound for 10 minutes. Alan Bostock discovered the price rise as he dropped off his daughter this morning. None of us use 10 minutes in the first place. You, you turn up, you drop off and off you go. Two minutes later, you don't need 15 minutes. You're not, not as if you're allowed to leave your car alone there. You're still going to remain with it. It doesn't seem to happen at any other airport. But for people to pay £2 to pick up and £2 to drop, off is just very cheeky. Next, and the Chancellor will hit back today at criticism of the government's changes to welfare from political opponents, church leaders and charities. Labour sees them as an attack on the poor, but George Osborne will say that such comments are predictable and that the old system trapped people in poverty while penalising work. Meanwhile, there's been a controversial shake-up in the way the NHS is organised. Clinical commissioning groups led by GPs have taken charge of a large portion of the NHS budget. They'll now decide how to spend funds on local services, from hospitals to community-based clinics. People we spoke to in the three counties seem to be unaware, though, of the changes, including Alina from Luton. I'm not too sure about what changes are taking place. I suffer from a long-term illness, so I'm constantly within the GP surgery and hospital, but yet I'm not aware of the changes which are taking place within the NHS. Well, stay listening as GP Nazrin Razak and Clinical Director for Primary Care for Luton CCG will be speaking to Ian in the next half an hour here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Bedfordshire Police is launching a campaign slogan on buses. You lock up, we'll lock them up, as it aims to maintain a current downward trend in burglary. With recent crime figures for the county suggesting an 18% drop, the force wants everyone to ensure their possessions are kept safe as the evenings grow lighter.
And the new Director General of the BBC, Tony Hall, is taking up his job today following the resignation of his predecessor, George Entwistle, in the wake of the Jimmy Savile sex abuse scandal. Lord Hall has been Chief Executive of the Royal Opera House for the past 12 years. Sport then MK Dons have kept their playoff hopes alive after beating Brentford 2-0 yesterday. Meanwhile, Stevenage beat Hartlepool 1-0. Max Emma bagging the winning goal. Weather then cold and frosty to start with, but then mainly dry and bright. Temperatures reaching 7 degrees Celsius, 45 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio, three minutes past seven. It's the 2nd of April and it's flipping cold. Anyone else confused by the bright uh, evening last night? We haven't got curtains in our house. I know we've been there, what, six weeks and we still haven't got round to getting curtains. Darn it, it's too late now. My three-year-old boy was, was up for ages. Daddy, it's not night time. Why are we going to bed? It is. Can we stay up and watch the sky turn dark? No! Fall asleep, boy, for goodness sakes. Where's the cowpole? Lots coming up between now. I'm, I'm joking, by the way. Although, this is something for another day. I have got friends who, when they're taking their kids on long flights, give them cowpole to make them sleep. I know, isn't that... I know, isn't it weird? It makes them really drowsy. And they give it to them to make them sleep. And think there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, I think there is. Maybe we'll talk about that another day. Coming up between now and eight o'clock. A football fan has been stabbed after their... Go- Sorry, two football fans, I think, have been stabbed after their coach was attacked in Luton yesterday. Our reporter Justin Dealey is at Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction and can tell us exactly what happened. Now, you know if you dropped passengers off at Luton Airport, it was a quid for ten minutes. I thought that was a rip-off. Well, guess what? From today, they've doubled the charge, although you get an extra five minutes. Alan in Harpenden told us about it. He doesn't think it's been publicised enough. Do you think it's worth the extra money or, or just a complete rip-off? I don't think any other airport's charged to drop passengers off. And solicitors have been warned people could start taking the law into their own hands as changes to legal aid come into force. We'll be looking at what the changes are and how you could be affected. Lots of ways to get in touch. You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or, look, all of the phone lines are free. Why don't you give me a phone call? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction. Well, Justin Dilly, uh, uh, whereabouts are you, Justin? Um, just outside Luton Town's ground at the moment, which is um, about a mile away from where this incident happened yesterday afternoon. And what, what happened? What do we know? Well, the two men were among five bus loads of supporters who had travelled to support Kidderminster Harriers against Luton Town Football Club yesterday afternoon. Bedfordshire Police said that as the coaches queued in the traffic around a mile away from the stadium an argument broke out between local residents and Kidderminster supporters in the rear coach and again uh, a lot of speculation yesterday were these loose supporters the police have confirmed in their statement that uh, this had nothing to do with Luton Town supporters. Uh, when did it happen? Well, it happened after the game yesterday as the vehicles were leaving Luton on the return journey. To, they were heading off down Dunstable Road to Junction 11 uh, of the motorway. Uh, 
uh, a police spokesman said it led to the coach being attacked. Uh, then some of the supporters got off to, to remonstrate and then a fight ensued. Uh, two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital. Uh, they are for non-life-threatening injuries, although one fan was stabbed twice. Uh, has anyone been arrested yet, Justin? Yes, four local men have been arrested and the police are investigating the violence which broke out in Dunstable Road, which is near the Mansfield Road junction. Police said the attackers, and again to quote here, did not appear to have any connection to Luton Town Football Club. Kidderminster, they won the game. They won the game 2-1, which has left them top of the table. What's the area like this morning? Any police presence? Well, we certainly heard that a police presence was there late into the night yesterday. Driving up there this morning, that police presence has now gone. It's very, very quiet in the area this morning. Just gone 7 o'clock, of course. Some of the, the local shops aren't even open. But certainly that police presence, which was there yesterday, and again, speaking to local people, that they saw that police presence, that has now gone. What have people been saying about this? Well, most people I've spoken to this morning wondered what did go on yesterday because a number of people were, were driving in the area last night. They saw the cordons. That They certainly saw the police. They wondered what had gone on. I told them what had gone on. Uh, they were shocked by that. But most people that I've spoken to certainly didn't know what had happened yesterday afternoon and certainly didn't see anything which happened yesterday afternoon. And are there many people up and about in the area this morning? It's seven minutes past seven, for goodness yeah, sakes. It's very, very quiet in the morning. Um, but there are quite a few shops in the local area. There's a Tesco Express very near to Mansfield Road again. Even in there, it's very, very quiet. Uh, a number of the local shops haven't quite opened yet. So clearly, when those shops do open, we shall ask a few questions. But, but certainly concerning whether this is related to, to football or not. You know, two people in hospital, one of them stabbed twice. Mm. And certainly not great again for Luton, is it? Lots of speculation on social media as well, wasn't there? As there always is. Yeah, but, and you're always going to get this. And uh, there was so much speculation last night at, at this moment in time. I believe it's the most read article uh, on the BBC News online. But, um, yeah, lots of speculation over, over who did this. Was it Luton Town supporters? Uh, and then, of course, the police statement comes out last night saying that they believe, and again, they believe this attack has got nothing to do with Luton supporters. But certainly if you're on Twitter, if you're on Facebook, a lot of people were talking about this last night, and I'm sure that as the day goes on today, again, we shall hear some more of the facts of, of what actually happened there. Justin, thank you very much. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of people on the, the internet assuming we would jump to the conclusion it was a football. Football fans cause havoc, and we've not... Um, not even hinted that in the slightest. In fact, it would appear that it's, it's the complete opposite. Now, if you drop passengers off at Luton Airport at the short-term car park, it would cost you... It's a quid for ten minutes. I think it's an outrageous charge. But there you go. Well, it was a quid until today, because from today it's now two pounds for 15 minutes. It was first brought to our attention by Alan in Harpenden. He noticed the extra charge when he was at the airport this morning and, and gave us a call. Well, I was quite surprised. I had a pop along to drop my daughter off, and uh, quarter to five is a good time to get there, I think. And I was, you, you pull in normally, pay your pound, ten minutes, and off you go. And there's a sign standing there saying two pounds. I thought, this is a bit um, April Fool's, perhaps, is it? Mm. But no, it's 100% rise and I was there three days earlier picking her up and it's a hundred percent rise so I was able to speak to the chap who was by the barrier and I said is this is this right when did this happen oh it happened this morning he said he managed to contain his smile was very pleasant about it 
But I've only got a pound. I've only driven from Harpenden. I didn't expect to spend two pounds. So he very kindly raised the barrier and I was on my way. But it left me with a strange feeling, 100% pay rise there. Well, we can talk now to Tony Dixon, editor of Airliner World magazine. Morning, Tony. Good morning, Ian. Tony, is this fair? Um, it's probably just to ease congestion around the front of the terminal. I mean, yes, you have to pay, you have to go under the tunnel, up round the roundabout, and there's not a lot of space. But if you just come back 300 yards and go into the mid-term car park... There's a free bus to the terminal, and it's free for half an hour. And I think it's just a a move by the airport authorities to move traffic away from that inside area where that little roundabout is. You don't think it's a money-making scheme? Because Luton Airport have been accused in the past of charging for pretty much everything they can. I think it's a congestion-easing scheme. And yes, people will have to pay money, but the option, as I say, just go into the mid-term car park, drop off, you've got half an hour free, and I mean, it's possibly that people drop off or pick up and stretch their 10 or 15 minutes, and, and there's just too many cars doing it. The thing is, though, if you've got, if you've got big suitcases and all, and all kinds of bits and pieces that people take on holiday, you don't want to get a bus to the airport, when most other airports, that I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking specifically of Heathrow and Gatwick, you can drop off... But, I mean, there are wardens there kind of hurrying you on. You're not allowed to loiter, but you can drop off right near the front, can't you? And look how much congestion there is in the middle of Heathrow and Gatwick. It's not that bad at Heathrow. I've, I drop off regularly at Heathrow, and it's, it's, it's workable, completely workable. Well, yes, uh, but uh, as I say, it's, it's simply to ease congestion. Heathrow, there's a lot more space than there is at Luton. I mean, Luton, you know, the terminal area was designed for when Luton was a small airport back in the 60s and 70s. It's a lot bigger now. And obviously, I mean, it can't be a money-making because they don't make that much money. How much do they make? Oh, I don't know. Well, then you don't don't know. We can't can't say it's not money-making if we haven't got the figures. Are there any other airports in in Britain, Tony, that that charge to drop off and pick up passengers? Yes, there are are some. Which ones? I think I'm pretty sure Manchester does at one place where you can can go in uh, and just, if you want to wait a little bit. I mean, there's, there's a great scheme that they have in America, which is um, a cell phone waiting area, where if you're picking somebody up, it's about a mile away from the terminal, and you can park there for nothing, yeah. and when the person is actually stood on the uh, outside the terminal, you go and pick them up, he phones you up. And it's purely a congestion-easing I like measure. That. Uh, th- there will be people, though, Tony, who, who aren't convinced that this is congestion. Why, why have they increased the charge? purely because there were too many too many cars and in the area and blocking it there's there's a lot more buses there now i mean they they have buses in from all the exterior car parks and if they get stuck uh, and there's too many cars just trying to drop people off perhaps without paying the money and just getting in finding some little nook and cranny to throw somebody off or whatever uh, and I suspect it's passengers that have caused the airport to make the decision. It's not... Hang on a minute, then, Tony, you can't, you can't blame the passengers. <laughs> That's what the whole airport thrives on and works on, is the passengers. Well, no, it's, not, it's the p- people taking them and picking them up. Uh, Birmingham certainly have a, a drop-off scheme right next to it, but you can go into the mid-term car park and simply get on a bus that's every ten minutes. I can't see the problem with it. If the guy doesn't want to pay the pound, he doesn't have to. He just goes to the mid-term car park and they get the bus for free. 
Tony, thanks very much for coming on. Tony Dixon, editor of Airliner World magazine. He has got a point. You can pop to the midterm car park. 30 minutes free. Get the bus. It does seem a little bit cheeky, though, doesn't it? And he, he, Tony mentioned uh, the, the Heathrow drop-off and pick-up. It, it is bigger, of course it is, but there's not congestion. It works absolutely fine. You've got a couple of wardens walking around. If you wait there too long... Sorry, mate, move on. Jog on. Jog on, fella. And that's fine, and it works. I've never had a problem dropping off there. It does seem a little bit cheeky. And I'm not one of those presenters. There are presenters here at BBC Three Counties who like to knock Luton Airport. I'm not one of them. I think it's a cracking airport. I love it. Go there quite a lot. I'm saying this partly because I do go there quite a lot and I don't want to get chucked out. But I do, I enjoy Luton Airport. It, it, it serves its purpose and it, it, it works for me. But I do think it's a little bit cheeky. Or maybe I'm being oversensitive on this. What do you think? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Is this charge £2, 15 minutes drop off and pick up? Is it fair? Is it just there? to ease congestion. Tony there saying he doesn't think it's a money-making scheme. I'd love to know how much money they make from it. They must make quite a few quid from it. They must do. 08459 555 7.15. Travel News Now, Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. It's already really busy on the roads this morning, starting with the M1 into London. Traffic's very slow between Luton Airport Spur Road to Junction 9 for Redbourne. The A1M towards London, that has a breakdown on the exit slip road at Junction 3 for St Albans. One lane is closed. Further south on the A1 Watford Way, there's a queue on my cameras from Apex Corner all the way to Mill Hill Circus. And the queues on the M25 anti-clockwise have worsened, I'm afraid. There's a solid queue from Junction 16 for the M40 all the way to the complete closure of the carriageway at Junction 15. 15 for the M4. That's for investigation work and that'll take nearly an hour, about 50 minutes to get through the queues onto the diversion which is the M4 and with the trains, Children Railway are now reporting 15 minute delays between Banbury into Marlebone in London because of a broken down train. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Morning at 7.16, it's Tuesday the 2nd of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. Parking charges at Luton Airport's drop-off zone increases by 100%. And in sport, MK Dons have kept their playoff hopes alive after beating Brentford 2-0 yesterday. The weather for beds, hearts and bucks. A cold and frosty but bright start. The rest of the day will remain dry and bright with some sunny spells. Maximum temperature is 7 degrees. Coming up from this week, uh, clinical commissioning groups are being put in charge of a large chunk of the NHS budget. Before 7.30, we'll find out how the changes could affect you. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni with the best local news stories. There's a sporting story emerging. Paul Buckle has left Luton Town Football Club by mutual consent. The owners of the Centre MK have withdrawn a part of an application regarding the Primark development. Local talking points. The Hertfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner, Mr David Lloyd, has a plan to get sponsorship for police cars. The best local travel. There's been another day of disruption on the Thameslink line today. We were allowed evacuating something the train and we had to go back to Ratchet and now we're waiting for the bus. Roberto Peroni, every weekday from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, it was a pound for ten minutes to drop off and pick up at Luton Airport. It's now two pounds for fifteen minutes. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What do you make of that? Ray's in Milton Keynes. Morning, Ray. 
What's up? Right, you're a ta- Good morning, Mr. Ray and Milton Keynes. You're a taxi driver. What, what, yep. what, 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 do, what do you think about this increase in charges? <laughs> Uh, well, we've we've had a bad we've had a bad deal with Luton Airport for years now. Um, uh, I will just tell you though that Stansted, for instance, they raised their price from a pound to two pounds um, late last year. So when you go in, it is two pounds now instead of a pound. Okay, I was unaware of uh, that. Thank you for that. Bloomington Airport is a pound and has been a pound. I think they were one of the first ones to put the barriers up. So as you, as you go in, you've got to you've got to do that. So it, it raises, it's only a pound, we know that, but you get people stopping at roundabouts, like, for instance, Luton Airport. Those who don't know, if you try and skip the car park yeah. and jump out at any stage from where the hotels are roundabout, right up to the mini roundabout the chap was talking about earlier, you will get done. They've got cameras, there are, haven't they? There are cameras everywhere, lots of our drivers. Oh, quick, quick, drop me off here. People jump out. Poor driver can't do a thing about it. They jump out. They get done. The driver gets done, not the people are jumping out. And is, uh, that, is, that, is that unique to Luton Airport? Um, not really, because some of our drivers have been done at Heathrow for dropping off at odd places. Right. Uh, but Heathrow, really, for, for the busy, you know, that chap said, really, um, it is busy, but everything is smooth. It's arranged. Everybody knows what they're doing. By and large. It works, and admittedly, the drop-off is larger at Heathrow, but it does work. I've always been able to pull over. There's always been at least two traffic wardens coming along and just keeping an eye on things and moving people along, and, and it works. Yeah, I mean, Terminal 3 is probably the worst because lots of people either don't know or they're ignorant of the facts. You only can drop off. Loads of people are standing there with their suitcases waiting to be picked up. But, of course, it's a magnet for the traffic wardens as soon as you arrive to pick up, you get told to move on. I mean, it's quite simple. Gatwick's the same. If you get away with it, you get away with it. It's fine. But generally, it's dropping off only, go in the car park, pay the money, do it all sensibly, and then there's no congestion. It's the same as the chat mentioned earlier for Luton. Right, we're going to end it there. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Now, from this week, clinical commissioning groups are being put in charge of a large chunk of the NHS budget. It's been dubbed one of the most radical plans in the history of the health service, with GP-led groups replacing primary care trusts. Our reporter, Hugo Goodridge, spoke to patients at Butte House Surgery in Luton about the changes. Any change is good change, as long as it's beneficial to the people. I'm not too sure about what changes are taking place. I'm not really sure about what exactly is going on. I mean... At the end of the day, um, I suffer from a long-term illness, so I'm constantly within the GP surgery and hospital, but yet I'm not aware of the changes which are taking place within the NHS. I'm not sure, because I'm not sure what actually is going to change. What, what would you like to see happen? What changes would you like to see in the NHS? Um, changes I'd like to see would be, I think, GP surgery is being open more late and open on Saturdays and Sundays, weekends, where people can walk in and still see their GPs without needing appointments like 10 days in advance or stuff like that um to be honest i'm quite actually quite happy with the health service i've if i've ever had to go to hospital they've always been pretty prompt um gps have always seemed to well this medical center gives me enough appointments ready available so i really can't fault it to be honest and how it's going to later on affect me with the new changes i don't know do you think that there's been enough done to inform the public and to let them know what the changes are going to be and, and how it's going to affect them? I would say 
no, because I didn't realise anything was changing. No, I don't really know what the changes are, how it's going to affect me, how it's going to affect this particular medical centre. No, not at all. I don't think enough's been done at all. We're joined by two guests now. Dr Nazreen Razak is a GP and clinical director for primary care for Luton Clinical Commissioning Group and Roy Lilly is a former NHS Trust chairman. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Uh, Doctor, let's start with you first. Why are these changes a good thing? Um, Well, I think um, I've been a GP in Luton for about seven years now um, and I think for the first time it feels like um, my sort of views with regards to how clinical outcomes are going to make a difference to patient care is actually being listened to Um, and I'm quite involved now with the commissioning process and trying to sort of drive um, changes in services to improve quality of care of patients. How is this better for patients, Doctor? Um, Well, Luton has quite a distinct population. It's got high rates of um, social deprivation, ischemic heart disease, diabetes, you know, the long-term conditions that one of the patients mentioned. Um, And, you know, just having um, sort of blanket policies to provide services for patients uh, overall is is fine. But um, I just feel that we can cater for our patients more specifically um, and provide the services that they need. We've heard from some patients who say they haven't been told enough about the changes. Should they have been told, or does it not really matter? Well, I mean, I'm on the commissioning board, so really it's my duty to make sure that patients are aware of what's going on. But, you know, the bottom line is that I'm here to look after the patients, um, and, you know, they need to feel... So you haven't... But so people... You, you, some people might say that you haven't done your job properly, then, if they don't know about the changes. We've, we've done... Um, patient engagement has happened through sort of things like patient reference groups. Um, we have a... Um, uh, participation group in our surgery that meets meets once every sort of six to eight weeks um, they're aware of the changes but at the end of the day patients just want to be able to come to the doctors you know see the doctor that they want to see and get the care they receive and you know i feel it's my job as a clinical lead to make sure that that's being done sort of at the commissioning level roy what do you think about this shake-up well, I think it's going to be difficult for patients to see any difference, to be honest. Um, the groups that uh, we're talking about here, the clinical commissioning groups, so-called CCGs, have taken over from their predecessors, the Primary Care Trust, and frankly, we've gone in a huge loop and a very expensive one too, to pretty much reinvent PCTs. We've still got that interim level of management. Now, it is true that there is an opportunity for GPs to become more engaged, but the evidence across the country really is that they're not bothering the most the key person in a clinical commissioning group is supposed to be a gp the so-called accountable officer and in less than 20 percent of the cases up and down the country it's a gp so the gps aren't actually sort of uh, you know hugely enthusiastic over time the gps will face the brunt of some very difficult problems because as you know we've spoken many times on this program before the nhs is in the throes of trying to save 20 billion pounds by 2015 and after 2015, the funding for the NHS is very uncertain. So it's the GPs now that will carry the brunt of trying to save that money. It's the GPs who will have to explain firsthand to their patients why patients can't have something or treatment's been deferred. So they're in a pretty tough place. And is that fair on the GPs, Doctor, that, that they'll be the ones that have to sit down with patients and say, well, I'm sorry, we've, we've used our budget, we can't give you that treatment you need? Um, it's not fair. Um, I mean, none of us asked for this sort of top-down transformation, you know, of general practice once again. I mean, you know, we're, we're just... and The NHS is just changing all the time. Um, and I think GPs in Luton felt that if we didn't sort of make it work for our patients, um, you know, it would just... You know, engagement, not engagement wasn't an option, really. We had to sort of go along with it. 
Um, I hope it doesn't get to the point that we're going to have to sit there and explain why we've um, not managed to sort of balance the books. But really, my priority is to try and make uh, the services work for my patients and, you know, provide that value of you know, value for money for the services that are being provided. As, as Roy uh, says, Doctor, that the, the huge cuts have to be found uh, in the NHS. So it, it would have it seems obvious that some people will lose out on treatment, won't they? Well, no, because we're trying to do things slightly differently. You know, yes, money needs to be saved, uh, but we're trying to sort of be innovative about the way we do it. We've got things like integrated care, which is um, the new buzzword at the moment. Um, and, you know, in Luton, it's working quite well because we're really, you know, we've got really good communication. with. What does that mean, about- integrated care? So it's basically providing um, health and social care services in sort of a seamless way. We've got uh, good communication with uh, Luton Borough Council and our other partners like um, community services. And, you know, for the first time ever since um, I've been a GP, I've been able to sit around a table with, you know, a community nurse, a social worker, a voluntary sector like the people from Age UK, physiotherapist, and make a decision about, um, you know, patients' care. Um, And then... Sort of measuring those outcomes again, you know, talk, we're not sort of talking about meeting targets, it's about sort of patient's experience and what the patient gets out of it. Um, and I feel that now I've got um, some say in sort of how those services are delivered and what the outcomes will be. Roy, it sounds like it's it's gonna, you know, Dr. Nazarene is uh, Razak is, is painting a good picture of the outcome for patients. Well, we won't be able to measure out. I mean, you can't measure outcomes for some time. Outcomes are what's called longitudinal measurements. That means if you have a hip operation, you can't measure the outcome for some time before you know what it's like. But uh, but I think what the doctor is saying is right. I think it, it, it would be possible for GPs to have a greater say in how local services are organised. So, you know, they might choose to do something for, I don't know, diabetes in Luton and somewhere else will do something else. So it will give rise, I think, to quite a, a lot of differences in services as GPs are enthusiasts for one particular disease area or have a lot of patients in a particular disease area address them in their in, in their own little patches. So bear in mind there are 211 of these uh, clinical commissioning groups and they're replacing uh, uh, 150 of their forerunner PCT. So there are a lot more of them. So it, it is likely to give rise to uh, a big variation in what, what entitlements are and what kind of services are available. But, you know, GPs really through the uh, previous organisations there was a, a, a facility it was called a professional executive committee they, they could have had their input into, into doing this if they wanted to and I think the other thing that's the, 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 what the doctor said is true I mean the doctors have been dumped with this it would have been possible early on when the act was first announced for doctors leaders, the BMA and others just to say look we don't want to do this and walk away but they didn't do it so they are stuck with it and uh, you know they have got to make the best of it and all we can say you know as patience is cross our fingers and say good luck oh dear roy if, if that's the best we can do is cross our fingers roy lily uh, former nhs trust chairman and dr nazarene razak uh, gp clinical director for primary care for luton clinical commissioning group well this reminds me actually i've got the form in my bag I, I've, I've got to sign up at my uh, register at my local gp today i must do that uh, well, I guess the question this is, it's very complicated, isn't it? <clears throat> and I'm, uh, I'm struggling to keep up with exactly what's going on. I suppose the question is, what changes would you like to see at your local doctors? I suppose that, that's what it boils down to, very simply. What would you like to see changed at your local GP surgery or in your local hospital? Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Good morning. The M25 anti-clockwise has solid queues from Junction 16 for the M40 all the way to the complete closure of the anti-clockwise carriageway at Junction 15 for the M4. That's for investigation work to an accident earlier. It'll take about between 40 to 50 minutes to get through the queues. It's busy on the A1 Watford Way from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus as well. And the A1M into London has a breakdown on the exit slip road at Junction 3 for St Albans. One lane is closed and that's causing traffic to slow down. The M1 into London is congested between Luton Airport Spur Road it's slow all the way to Junction 9 for Redbourne and with the trains Chiltern Railway have 15 minute delays between Banbury into London um, Marlebone Station because of a broken down train and London Midland are running a replacement bus service instead between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey Brooke Burfitt BBC Three Counties Radio Thank you Brooke It's 7.30 time for the news and sport now here's Serena Farrow Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking This is BBC Three Counties Radio Good morning. Two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton yesterday. Parking charges at Luton Airport's drop-off zone has increased by 100% and is now £2 for 15 minutes. The Chancellor will hit back today at criticism of the government's changes to welfare from political opponents, church leaders and charities. And as we've been hearing, clinical commissioning groups across beds, hearts and books, which are led by GPs, have now taken charge of a large portion of the NHS budget. That's all the news. Now let's have a look at the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So MK Dons entertained Bradford in League One and beat them 2-0 yesterday. That boosts the Dons to 10th now and still keeps their playoff hopes alive. Staying with League One and Graham Wesley seems to be a good luck charm for Stevenage. He took charge of his first match yesterday since his return to the club. His side beat Hartlepool 1-0 with the goal coming from Max Emma. And it doesn't just stop there though. Wesley's hopeful for more success. I guess the club you know, wants to progress and I want somewhere... You know, again, where I, I can progress further. So, um, you know, ambition, I suppose, is the is the link that uh, keeps myself and Stevenage together. Luton are ninth, having lost to conference leaders Kidderminster Harriers 2-1. And in championship news, Leeds United manager Neil Warnock has parted company with the club. Warnock left his job around two hours after Leeds' 2-1 defeat by Derby yesterday. And at the KC Stadium tonight, second place Hull play third place Watford. A win for Gianfranco Zola's side would move them to within a point of Hull. And finally, new Sunderland manager Paolo Di Canio holds his first press conference in around half an hour's time. Di Canio was appointed on Sunday following the sacking of Martin O'Neill. BBC Three Counties Radio will bring you more at 7, 8 even. Sorry. I'm looking at our clock. I know. And it's back, it still hasn't come forward, has it? Can you believe that we are we are the BBC, Serena? Jeez. And it requires um, the technic- the head of technicals to come in and adjust the clocks. I know, I tried to do it, and it's not it's all that radio controlled malarkey, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, all, all you have to do though is just, just in the sky. Just add an hour on to what's on there and that should work. Thanks. You're welcome. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's true, we've got these clocks. It's not even a, a, it's not even a fancy digital clock. It's a normal clock with hands, analogue, and it's saying 633. I can't adjust it. I don't have the power or the technical training, and I'm not in the correct union to touch that clock. We're the BBC, for goodness sakes. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and eight o'clock, changes to legal aid have come into force. Now it's not possible to get free legal advice to deal with some divorce battles. Well, I'll be speaking to a divorce lawyer from Milton Keynes about why she's concerned. 
And do you remember the parents who were angry about funding being removed for faith school transport? They uh, all had a protest. Was it last week or a couple of weeks ago? And they blocked up the roads and all of that. Well, the council has apparently rejected their petition. We'll find out more in the next 20 minutes. Now, with these changes coming into the NHS today, it's all a bit confusing, if I'm honest. I'm, I'm struggling to keep up with it. I just about am. But it's tricky. I, I, I think it boils down to what would you like to see done differently in your local GP surgery? Well, Joyce is in Leegrave. Good morning, Joyce. Good morning, Mr Lee. Good morning, Ms Joyce. <laughs> It's a, do, you, do you hate it when people are all a bit informal in shops? Going, all right, love, can I help you? Well, I found it quite nice in Barclays last week, because oh. as I came out, a young lady, good morning, Mr Downing, have a nice day. Oh, see, now that now that's nice, it you see. It was nice. I really appreciated that. I mean, the men usually stand there, good morning, morning, hands crossed and sort of, it, yes. you know, as you nods as you come in. But it was quite nice to be known as a person. As, as a human being. Yeah. What would you like to see change in your doctor's surgery? Well, uh, there is a new change in our oh. doctor's surgery yes. and um, another one, Marsh Farm uh, Health Centre. Yeah. And um, I, I am visually impaired. Not, no, I can see, but I can't see, if you know what I mean. And the thing being, these new elongated yes. uh, sort of signs that come up. Instead of the doctor coming out and saying, uh, Mrs Downing or Mr Lee, Mr So-and-so, yes. um, this red sort of name comes up and you can't read it oh. it's really weird so the thing is i object to that because it's digital it yes. doesn't look like a d or you know so you is can't. It, was it your name flashes up on a screen yes that's correct and i oh. believe i think what's wrong there they haven't thought about it properly because i think there should be a verbal as well as yes the, yeah, because you just can't see it. And no. people, like, even not visually impaired, got the glasses in the pocket and they no. don't know, you know, where it is or they don't know what's going on. I, I don't think it's very good. Have you mentioned this to the nosy, re- up to the receptionists? <laughs> they are a bit nosy receptionists, aren't they? They're not necessarily there, but... They're all, very nice, all, No, they, they, they are generally nice. But all doctors I've been to, when I phoned up to make an appointment, what, yes, what's the, what's the problem? Yes. Um, yeah, I'd like to tell a doctor, someone who has medical training, yeah. please, but have you mentioned to the reception? Joyce, well, you to have be a quite honest, I have. Yes. And while I was down at the foot clinic in Marsh Farm, oh dear, there were um, about four men, gentlemen in their suits and whatever, yes. uh, middle-agedish, um, and a couple of young ones, and a young lady with the clipboards walking around, you know, airs yes. and graces, looking up over the doors. And I said, uh, I did go up actually, and I said, excuse me. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but are you doing any new signs like these? Yes. So she said, well, we're looking for different signs to go up as well. I said, well, are you aware? And I told her exactly what I told you. And I said, I hope you didn't mind me mentioning that. But it's it's quite essential that people can hear it as well as if they can't see it. Very essential, yes. So consequently, she said, no, 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 we're grateful for your input, but why should we have to tell them? Exactly. We're we're grateful for your input, but we're going to do nothing about it, Joyce. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. Lots of particularly talking about things being scrapped a lot at the moment. Legal aid is going to be scrapped for certain disputes. Now it's not possible to get free legal advice to deal with some divorce battles and personal injury cases, amongst other civil cases. The government are making the cutbacks in an effort to cut the two billion pounds annual legal aid bill. Mary Bannamhall is a divorce lawyer and a mediator from Milton Keynes. Good morning, Mary. 
Good morning. What do these changes mean for people wanting to get divorced? Well, they're still going to split up and they're still going to get divorced. And to be fair, they've been doing their own divorces as such for a long time. What they have been able to do is get legal aid to um, have di- finance their disputes over children at court and to finance their disputes over property, housing, um, pro- pensions and maintenance money. Um, and that is what's going unless there is um, significant domestic violence and their court proceedings and all sorts of other... There's, there's a whole list of things that you hurdles you have to get Don't, over to get... For the um, domestic violence, to, to, to get legal aid around that, doesn't it have to have been reported twice or something to the police? There, there, there's kind of lots of stipulations, well, aren't there? Well, there's a lot of stipulations yes. and um, there have to be ongoing proceedings right. or proceedings less than two years old. So a woman who oh had pr- very, very serious domestic violence violence but it's outside the two-year period will not get legal aid so there's some really serious unintended Consequences here. Now, with the domestic, the, the domestic violence uh, situation, that's obviously uh, very extreme. Putting that to one side for a second, the general Mr and Mrs Smith getting divorced, what, what, without legal aid, what's, what's the, your biggest concern about that? Well, the government has said it's put an extra £10 million into mediation, but I am a mediator and I do legal aid mediation, and I actually don't think that we're going to be spending any of that money. I think that's a bit of window dressing, because um, an awful lot of our our cases were would be legal aid uh, court applicants um, who were referred to hear about mediation who then went on to mediate and of course they're not going to be sent to us anymore and unfortunately although there is technically a requirement that everybody who applies to court whether they want legal aid or not has to see a mediator and hear about mediation not all of them are getting referred and they're issuing proceedings anyway so we're actually expecting lots of people to either be acting for themselves and the courts are already full of litigants in person or self-represented people or they're not going to do anything and of course not doing anything is not a cost-free solution i saw um a couple the other day and it was a classic long long marriage where she should get half the house and half the pension and she wasn't going to get legal aid and um because she didn't qualify just by a pipsqueak And um, she wasn't going to do anything. She wasn't going to get her share of the pension or anything and uh, was going to probably end up on benefits. So it's not cost free. (laughs) Are you, uh, Mary, let let me ask you a direct question if you don't mind. And please don't think I'm being rude, although Mm -hmm. maybe I'm a little bit. Are you genuinely concerned about the outcomes of these couples or are you worried that perhaps you might be losing a little bit of work? Well, there's plenty of work. Um, It's a case of whether... People are going to get the help they need. You, you, you can't, I mainly mediate. You can't make people mediate. It's voluntary. It requires commitment. It requires people to want to do that, want to be fair and want to sort things out. Not everybody does want to sort things out. If they're sitting on all the assets and uh, if they do nothing, they think they're going to continue to sit on all the assets, then why would they go to mediation if they're... Mm not wanting to be fair and and make provision for the other person to have a fair share. So I am actually very worried that in some cases it's going to be extremely unfair and not what everybody would want to happen if they sat down and thought about it. It's cost-saving, yes, and I think the the Children Act applications, I have to admit I'm a little less worried about. What's, What's that? 
Well, there are two sorts of proceedings that follow divorce. There's fighting over the children and mm. fighting over the property, money and, and pensions. Now, the law relating to property, money and pensions is quite complicated and people would struggle with that. More often than not, the disputes over, say, contact and residence, which is where the children live and how often they see the other parent, are relatively simple. Somebody wants to have the children Tuesdays and Thursdays till 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock, and the other one doesn't want them to have them. And actually, the amount of law involved in some of those cases is negligible. There has to be a finding of fact that the children are not at risk with the other parent. And if they're not at risk, then somebody's got to impose an arrangement on them, a set of arrangements on them, if they can't agree it. And we did seven years of mediating at, at Milton Keynes County Court on this, and we found that a vast number of these cases were pretty well settled by mediation. And mm. in fact, mediation helped with communication, and it helped sort things out in such a way that they could start to make arrangements themselves rather than going to court uh, as a first resort. Mary, so, so, we're running out of time. There's a couple of things I want to ask. I find yeah. this whole thing fascinating. Can, can, can you clear something up for me? We've got a statement here from uh, Justice Minister Lord McNally. He says, yes. we need to make sure taxpayers' money is not spent resolving too many disputes in court when there are quicker, cheaper and less stressful options available. Yes. Well, what are, what are the quicker, cheaper and less stressful options for people who are getting divorced? Mediation. Right, that's, that's it. That's what this is all about. Right. except that the mediators, if you ask us, are saying, well, actually, these clients are not necessarily going to find us. How are they going to find us? Who's going to send them? Because the courts are not sending them, mm. and the legal aid solicitors who did send them are not going to be sending them, and the clients who don't need legal aid should be sent, but are not always being sent, because the proceedings are being issued without these FM1 forms that they should have before they issue. So that is supposed to change in six, 12 months' time, but it hasn't changed yet. So we're looking at perhaps a year where mediators don't know where their work's going to come from. So how people think that they're going to be another 10 million spent on mediation, legal aid, I don't know. And very final question. There are some people who might argue that over the last 10, 15 years, divorce has got too easy and it, it's discouraged people from trying to work through and, and, and making the, the lifelong commitment that they've made, making it work. And of course it doesn't work for everybody, of course it doesn't, but has divorce got too easy? Um, I, I would say if people have decided to split up, I always look at the possibility of reconciliation and I very rarely manage to persuade someone to go to counselling. And of course a lot of these people aren't married anyway. They've been living together and, and have split up. So I think it's very sad because I think social norms have changed and people almost expect to split up if things go wrong and they are not working as hard at relationships as they used to. And that's a bit sad, isn't it? It is I think. very, very sad, particularly for the children. Mm. But at the end of the day, if you work um, in, the, in the business of trying to help people split up without damaging each other and their kids, which is what mediation is, mm. and you're looking at reconciliation and asking about that, have you had counselling and all this sort of thing, if people say, we don't want counselling, it's too late, you can't make There's them, nothing you can, can do. You? Mary, very fascinating. Thank you very much indeed. There's Mary Bannam Hall, a divorce lawyer and a mediator from Milton Keynes. I could have talked to her all morning. She was fascinated, wasn't she? 7.45, travel news now, Brooke Burfitt. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
My speed sensors are showing delays on the A1 Great North Road. It's really busy at the Black Cat Roundabout, particularly bad heading towards Sandy. The M1 into London, very slow between Junction 10 for Luton Airport, Spur Road to 9 for Redbourne. There's also the particular congestion hotspot normal for this time in the morning. The A1 Watford Way from Apex Corner is slow to Mill Hill Circus. Now the M40 into London that's now slow from Junction 2 at Beaconsfield to the M25. I think this is a knock-on effect from the nasty queues on the M25 anti-clockwise. There's solid queues from Junction 16 for the M40 all the way to the closure of the carriageway at Junction 15 for the M4 and according to my speed sensors it'll take over an hour to get through those queues. With the trains Children Railway reporting 15 minutes delays between Banbury into London uh, because of a train where, uh, which broke down earlier. And London Midland are running a placement bus service between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Right, it's 7.46, it's Tuesday the 4th... No, sorry, I do apologise. Whoa, calm down. It's Tuesday the 2nd of April. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. Parking charges have doubled at Luton Airport's drop-off zone. And in sport, it was a good start for Stevenage boss Graham Wesley as his side beat Hartlepool 1-0 yesterday. Now, coming up, do you remember, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was, the parents who were angry about funding being removed for Faith School Transport. We sent Justin down there and it all got a little bit hairy as the roads got blocked up. Well, the council has rejected their petition. We'll find out why before eight o'clock, but now let's get the latest weather. Here's Lara Lewington. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, a cold start to the day, but there will be plenty of sunshine over the coming hours, even though those temperatures aren't topping just seven degrees and a chilly northeasterly wind making it feel even colder than that. Come tonight, well, a build-up of cloud cover as we move through the night, which is stopping the temperatures from dropping as low as they otherwise might, but still down to minus one. And tomorrow, well, that build-up of cloud cover could for some translate into the odd wintry shower. Showers around for a fair few but the chance of them being wintry for some so a little sleet a little snow and those temperatures tomorrow getting up to about six or seven degrees thank you laura Tackling your consumer problems. On BBC Three Counties Radio. My son took it to, back to the, the garage. The mechanic says, yeah, I know what it is. So they took it in, done what they had to do, and the car was still the same, still doing the same thing. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. The long and short of it is, he agreed that he would replace the car. If you have a consumer problem, we can do the same for you. I'd like to thank you and your team for everything you've done. We wouldn't have got where we got without you. It's a pleasure. I'm going to call that a result. Any other problems, you know where I am, Stuart. The JVS Show. Fighting for your rights. Weekday mornings from nine on BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call this morning or you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, one of the things you've been talking about is uh, the changes to the charges at Luton Airport. If you drop passengers off at the airport at the short-term car park, it would cost you a quid for ten minutes. Not anymore. From today, it's now two quid... 
for 15 minutes while well, Justin Dealey has been at the airport this morning. And Justin, you're furious, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not furious. I haven't used this airport for a long time. It's a brilliant airport. I, listen, a... I've got to say, mm. I, lo- I do love Luton Airport. Uh, there are presenters on this station, I won't <laughs> name them, Javis, who <laughs> yes. knock Luton Airport, and I'm not one of them because I use it regularly and I think it's great. But y- yes. I do think this is a little bit cheeky. Well, I have to say that the drop-off zone this morning, very, very busy, full of very unhappy people about these charges. I spoke to Phil a moment ago, and this is what happened. So, Phil, the charge is up to £2 for 15 minutes. As somebody who's been here, what, three times in the last six weeks, is that good value for money? No, I don't think so. Tell us why. I think it's a rip-off at £2. Why don't you use the free car park? Well, it's a 30-minute free car park, but 30 minutes is not long enough when you're not sure what time the flight's coming in. You don't know how long people are going to be in the airport. You need more than 30 minutes. And what about the car parks that you have paid for here as well? How expensive are they? That's extremely expensive. I stopped, I dropped my son off here a few weeks ago, went for a coffee, cost me £13 something to get out, £11 charge and £2 something for using a credit card. Clearly, you're not happy. Some of our listeners are not happy either. What is your message to London Luton Airport this morning? Reduce the parking costs. Get rid of the drop-off costs or make it a pound for half an hour. If you stay here more than 15 minutes, you've been £80 fine. So It is a great airport, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a great airport. You just feel like you're being ripped off. Absolutely. Yeah. So the views are filled there. He's clearly not happy. Plenty more reaction to come in. You're going to hear from those people after 8.30. They're saying, look, you know, £2 too much. A pound for 10 minutes was bad enough, but now £2 for 15 minutes. And a lot of people saying to me, well, what am I going to do with that extra five minutes? I simply pull up. <laughs> I simply pull up. I drop off my family and I go. I get an extra five minutes for what? They're not happy. <laughs> You raise an excellent point, Justin. It I, could create more congestion <laughs> as people sit there trying to get their money's worth. I mean, if people are going to sit there saying, oh, this coffee tastes nice, oh, I'm getting good value for money, I'll have a cigarette or something. I don't know. You will hear some more angry views after 8.30 on your show. You are right, because it is. It, when you drop off, what is it? Two minutes, three minutes, you get the bags out, you get the people out, you give them a kiss, you say bye-bye, that's it, you're off. (laughs) I'm going to sit there with the costas now and enjoy it. Yeah, I think you should do, yeah. Justin, thank you very much. We'll speak to you uh, a little bit later on. Andrew is from Hatfield. You're a taxi driver, Andrew, is that right? Yeah, I am, yeah. Uh, And do you drop off at Luton Airport very regularly? Uh, Well, yeah, because we're the main contractor for EE and uh, Pitney Bowes. In fact, I've only just recently talked to one of the directors into using Luton. Um, where she was coming into Heathrow, and I was explaining to her it's much better to come from Ireland to use Luton, and she has, yep. she does. And uh, we we meet her and drop her off as we do loads of people. So anyway, it's no surprise, is it? It's owned by the council, money grabbing council, isn't it? Is is that well? We had a, an expert on earlier on who said no, no, no. It's not about money money grabbing. It's it's about reducing congestion at the front that's, of the airport. That's that's rubbish. I tell you what, right. If you went there, I mean, you've got a man there now. They've recently spent quite a lot of time and money reorganising the car park arrangement. Incidentally, the car park, if you use it, is more expensive than Heathrow. Right. So when you want to, if you have to actually park in there and go and meet somebody, and uh, because, they, you know, you've got to go and hold the sign up and so on, uh, it's a nightmare. We, we pre-warn people. We say, look, our cost to go to and from Luton is £30, but we're going to have to add on any X's, you know. And so we were making it 31 Now we've got to make it 32 If we have to go in the car park, it's a, it's a big rip-off. The whole place is a rip-off. Don't you even have to pay to put, get a trolley? 
Uh, Andrew, I'm, I'm not sure. I think you do, actually. I think you do. Andrew from Hatfield, thank you very much indeed. And I do like Luton Airport. I, please don't think for a second, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a Luton basher. Oh, that sounds like a horrible euphemism, doesn't it? I'm not at all. I think it's a cracking airport. I do think this two quid to drop off and pick up is a bit cheeky. Uh, some of you have been commenting on the Facebook page. Steve says, rip off. Benjamin says, sounds like good value to me. If you're getting an extra five minutes for two quid, does it really matter if they charge for dropping off or picking up? There's more important things to worry in the world. Peter says, should be free, especially for Luton residents, seeing as we actually own the airport. Monica, what, for another five minutes if you can't even leave the car up there? Even one pound is too much. Sonny, I don't want the extra five minutes. It makes no difference. It takes 30 seconds to be dropped off. Luton Airport, you are greedy. You charge for trolleys. You charge for plastic bags. They do charge for plastic bags. And you have to buy two plastic bags. You can't just buy one. Soon you will start charging for using the toilets. Adam says it's actually cheaper to get a train to Gatwick and fly from there, which is what we do. Oh, dear. Flights from from Luton are always more expensive because of the amount they charge airlines, not just customers. It's usually even cheaper to go from Stansted, a fortnight's parking included. Oh dear, Luton Airport. Come on now. 08459 555555. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we told you about the parents who were angry at Luton Borough Council for taking away free school transport for their children who were at faith schools. Well, now they've had an e-petition with over 1,000 names rejected by the council. The council said they couldn't accept a petition without addresses, so the campaign are producing a written petition today to force a debate. Well, Antoinette Cotula, uh, Cotula is from the Cardinal Newman Preserve, our school transport committee. Good morning, Antoinette. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. We were live with you when you and the other parents put on your protest yes uh, it, it did cause travel uh, travel chaos yes it did what yes. was uh, the response what was the response what, what did from... people say to you about it well I, I think the majority of people were very very supportive there was some people that that weren't but the majority of people were very supportive and understanding of what we'd done basically uh you know we didn't want to deliberately cause chaos what we wanted to do was show the council that if the buses go in September, uh, unfortunately, this is what's going to happen day in, day out. You've done this e-petition. We, yes. Did you know that the council wouldn't accept it? No, we, we had no idea. I tell you what, we actually went on the uh, on the council website because we wanted to speak at the next uh, full council meeting, uh, and we went on the council website looking for information on uh, petitions. They had no information, so we, then we googled uh, the phrase petition. And we came up with minutes from a meeting in 2010 stating that they would have the e-petition up and running by the end of 2010, uh, which they don't. Uh, so then we went over and we used a, a reputable group called uh, Change.org, uh, got our, our, our 1,300 signatures, uh, contacted De- Deborah Craig on this 14th of March they, that we had this e-petition uh, and for us, her to give us some advice. Five days later, the response was saying that our e-petition couldn't be accepted because we had no addresses. And you, could you understand why the council need to see the addresses? Because they, they want to be sure, don't they? It's only yeah, Luton I, residents. I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I do understand that. But the reality is they, they're supposed to have an e-petition set up there for, right. for the people. They haven't. So we went off using an organisation. We, we didn't make one up ourselves, thinking that this was the right way. The people that signed up to that, the 1,300 people, are completely 150% above board. Uh, and we were really, really frustrated, really crossed by the whole thing. 
and and uh, all they've done is sent through an eight-page confusing document from 2010, which is which is three years ago. Uh, and stating uh, one of the pages was, went on about the e-petition that they were going to set up in, in 2010, which they've they've never got around to. Basically, is it right, Antoinette, that you've got a public meeting organised with Hazel Simmons now? Yes, we do on the on the 17th of March uh, down in Cardinal Newman. 17th of March, 17th of April. 17th of April. Yes. Sorry, yes. Oh, okay. I, I'm obsessed by March. Uh, no, the 17th of April, and it's down in Cardinal Newman School at 7 p.m. Um, and the whole idea is that you know the, the, the general public can come in and ask Hazel uh, Simmons as many questions about the funding cuts as, as they want. Basically. Specifically about the, sc- the school bus? Yes, the, yes, that's, that's what it's aimed at. Antoinette, do, 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 do you not have to face the harsh reality that, that actually you, you've probably lost this one? Oh, I, I don't think so, by any means whatsoever. I mean, it's interesting because people say, you know, there, there, there has to be cutbacks, there has to be cutbacks, and yes, we do understand that. But the reality is, if you look into council figures, some of the money that's been spent on various uh, things throughout the year and throughout the years, it, you know, 300000 isn't a massive sum of money for some of the money that they're spending on other sums to come up and, and, and fund uh, the school buses. And also, this goes back for many, many, many years, where when this was built, the school was built in 1968, uh, there, was, there was an agreement with the council uh, and, and the Catholic school that they would provide uh, transport for the kids forever basically um, and basically we, we also today want to make a bit of an appeal especially to the more senior population of people out there that if they've got any feedback or information on that that agreement in 1968 to please come back to us on it because we want as much details on this as possible well, Antoinette, you're, you're, you're meeting with hazel on the 17th I, 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 if, if it's okay we'll speak to you on the morning of thursday the 18th to see how that yes. went yeah that would be absolutely fantastic yes, Antoinette, we will we will speak to you then we've got to leave the extra running out of time but thank you very much uh, indeed we did Try to get someone from Luton Borough Council on the show today, but no one was available. Right, let's get the uh, travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you. Well, the problems continue on the M25 anti-clockwise, I'm afraid. The carriageway is closed at Junction 15 for the M4. Traffic is diverting onto the M4 after a serious accident. It's causing solid queues back from Junction 16 at the M40. It's taking nearly over an hour uh, to get through those queues, having a knock-on effect on traffic queuing on the M40 into London from Junction 2 at Beaconsfield as well. The M25 clockwise in the opposite direction is slow through the roadworks between Junction 22 at St Mims to 23 for South Mims. The A10 Great Cambridge Road, I've got that up on my cameras at the moment. That's uh, very slow this morning between Bellsmore Lane to Southbury Road. And with the trains, London Midland are now running once again between Watford Junction and St Albans Abbey. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. What a busy show we've had this morning and plenty more to come, including have your say about the increased charges for dropping off and picking up at Luton Airport. We'll discuss that more after the news with Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. Football fans in hospital after Bedfordshire attack. Parking charges double at Luton Airport and better care for patients across beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Four local men have been arrested after two Kidderminster fans were attacked on their coach in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Road following the game with Kidderminster Harriers in which the Hatters lost 2-1. Bedfordshire police want to point out that the argument broke out between local residents and didn't appear to have any connection with the football club. 
In other news, parking charges have doubled at Luton Airport's drop-off zone. It's now £2 for a 15-minute wait, whereas before it was a pound for 10 minutes. Alan Bostock from Harpenden was caught short as he dropped off his daughter this morning. But there was no indication mm. whatsoever that there was this 100% rise and just turn up there. And a lot of people are going to turn up this morning just with a pound in their pocket and they're going to find themselves in dire straits, I should imagine. Also speaking to Ian Lee earlier this morning was Tony Dixon, the editor of Airliner World magazine. I think it's a congestion easing scheme. And yes, people will have to pay money, but the option, as I say, just go into the midterm car park, drop off, you've got half an hour free. And I mean, it's possibly that people drop off or pick up and stretch their 10 or 15 minutes and, and there's just too many cars doing it. Let's turn to other news now and the Chancellor will hit back today at criticism of the government's changes to welfare from political opponents, church leaders and charities. Labour sees them as an attack on the poor but George Osborne will say that such comments are predictable and that the old system trapped people in poverty while penalising work. Meanwhile, clinical commissioning groups led by GPs have now taken charge of a large portion of the NHS budget. They'll now decide how to spend funds on local services from hospitals to community-based clinics. GP Nazrin Razak and clinical director for primary care at Luton CCG says patients will now get better care. Luton has quite a distinct population. It's got high rates of social deprivation, ischemic heart disease, diabetes, you know, the long-term conditions that one of the patients mentioned. And, you know, just having sort of blanket policy to provide services for patients overall is fine but um, I just feel that we can cater for our patients more specifically and provide the services that they need. And straight after this bulletin, we'll be hearing from Debbie Brock, who's chair of the Shadow Health and Wellbeing Board at Milton Keynes Council. We'll be getting her views. Parents angry at Luton Borough Council for taking away school transport for their children have had an e-petition with more than a 1,000 names rejected by the local authority. The council says it couldn't accept the form without addresses. So the members of the Cardinal Newman Preserve Our School Transport Committee plan to now return to the council offices today with a paper petition in an attempt to force a debate on the issue. Turning to sport, then MK Dons have kept their playoff hopes alive after beating Brentford 2-0 yesterday. And it was a good start for Stevenage boss Graham Wesley as his side beat Hartlepool 1-0. Finally then, weather, and it's still cold out, and but it's set to be quite dry and sunny, thankfully. Temperatures of 7 degrees Celsius, that's 45 in Fahrenheit. There's more news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. BBC Three Counties Radio, first for news. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Three minutes past eight. It's Tuesday, and I'll be honest, I'm really hungry. We haven't got any food in our house. Couldn't have any cereal, except a cup of coffee. That's no breakfast. No breakfast for a growing lad. Coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, a football fan has been stabbed after their coach was attacked in Luton yesterday. Well, reporter Justin Dealey has been to Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction where it happened and can bring us up to speed with the police investigation. Now, you know if you dropped passengers off at Luton Airport, it would cost you a pound for ten minutes. Well, guess what? It doesn't cost you that anymore. It's now two pounds for fifteen minutes. Alan in Harperdon was very kind and got in touch and told us about it. He doesn't think it's been publicised enough. Well, do you think it's worth the extra money? Or is it a complete rip-off? And big changes to the NHS have come into effect today. GP-led groups are replacing primary care trust. I'll be honest with you, it's complicated. I'm struggling to keep up to speed with it, but we'll try and give you as much info as we can about how the changes could affect you. 
As always, go to the Facebook page. Have a good argument with the other listeners on there. It's fun. Don't be rude. Don't play nasty. Play nice. But have an argument. Why not? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can follow me on Twitter at Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E. Or, look, the entire switchboard is free. Now's the perfect time to give us a call. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. A football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction. Well, Justin Dealey has more details. Justin, whereabouts are you? I'm on the Dunstable Road at the moment in Luton, which is very near to where this incident happened yesterday afternoon. Um, what exactly happened? Well, two men were amongst five busloads of supporters who had travelled to support Kidderminster Harriers against Luton Town yesterday afternoon. Bedfordshire Police said as the coaches queued in the traffic, about a mile away from the Kenilworth Road Stadium an argument broke out between local residents and the Kidderminster supporters in the rear coach so again they're saying this is local residents and nothing to do with fans of Luton Town. Uh, and when did it happen? Well it happened after the game, not before, happened after the game as the vehicles were leaving Luton on the return journey on their way to Junction 11 of the M1 on the Dunstable Road a police spokesman said it led to the coach being attacked then some of the supporters got off to remonstrate and a fight then ensued. Two Kidderminster fans are being treated in hospital. They are for non-life-threatening injuries, although sadly one fan was stabbed twice. Uh, and has anyone been arrested yet, Justin? Yes, uh, four local men have been arrested and police are investigating the violence which broke out on Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction. Police said the attackers, again to quote here, did not appear to have any connection to Luton Town. Kidderminster, they won the game 2-1, which leaves them top of the table. What's the area like this morning? Is, is, is there any sign of, of the trouble that happened? Well, no, certainly talking to local people, they saw the police here last night. There was certainly a, a big police presence. A lot of people won what had happened here last night so that police presence was here after the game and into the night but uh, certainly this morning very very quiet a number of those shops uh, are still closed and that police presence has has now disappeared this morning so traveling past uh, the Mansfield Road junction there on Dunstable Road you wouldn't think anything had happened here yesterday and what have the people involved with with uh, the world of football been saying about this well Steve Millington who's the chairman of the Kidderminster Harris Independent Supporters Trust he said that we deplore the attack on the coach. This shouldn't happen in football or in society in general. He also goes on to say that we're pleased to hear the injuries to the lad who was stabbed and not thought to be life-threatening and we wish both those who were taken to hospital a speedy recovery. A spokesman for the East of England Ambulance Service, they confirmed they had taken two men to hospital. They say we conveyed two people, one a 38-year-old man to the Lucen and Dunstable Hospital. Now, some would say it's it's not connected to football, but again, it's another bad story about Luton, and I believe still at this moment in time, it's the most read on the BBC online site. Yeah, apparently so, and of course, uh, th- th- when things like this happen, Twitter and Facebook s- spark all kinds of rumours, don't they? They do, and I think it would be unfair to, to go into detail of what was being said yesterday, but as you can imagine, w- when you have an incident near to a football stadium, people come up with, with all sorts of theories, and again, those are probably still out there this morning. I think the 
the initial reaction from people was this was quite a high-profile game yesterday because Kidderminster Harriers, top of the table, they needed to get three points. I think a lot of people thought over 6,000 people there yesterday. It's a big crowd, you know, when you consider Luton's position in the league right now. I think a lot of people jumped to the conclusion this was all to do with football supporters. And we saw that on Twitter, we saw that on Facebook. But again, I can only quote what the police are mm. saying in their statement. And they are saying, we believe this has got nothing to do with Luton Town supporters. But as a fan of, you know, we are saying this, as far as we know, it's nothing to do with Luton Town or any of their supporters. But as a, a, a fan of football, Justin, mm. this will surely scare people away from Luton Town Football Club. It? It would, uh, listen, I've been there once, mm, and mm. It, it, as a casual goer, it would certainly make me think twice about going. You would think so, but again, you've got to look at the facts here. This didn't happen inside the stadium. This didn't happen you know, right outside the ground either. This happened a little way away from the ground. We don't know the full facts yet. Again, we know some of the facts, but of course, as today goes on, we could hear more, but again, the police are saying this has got absolutely nothing to do with football. Justin Dealey, thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, that's right. You heard the newspapers being rustled. We'll have a little look at the front pages of the newspapers, shall we? The Times. Um... Um, what newspaper is what, what newspaper is Matt on? My favourite cartoonist. The Times. He's just not me on the Times. Where 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 is he? Is he on the Times? Is, are we missing a newspaper today? It feels like we're, we're in a paper light. We've got the Guardian, the Independent, the Times, the Mail, the Express, and the Sun. Are we missing a paper producer, Laura? Uh... What other newspapers are there? It's like one of those trays that, that game for kids where you have a tray full of like a jug, an apple, a, <laughs> a, 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 a paper clip. Then you you cover it and take something away, and they have to try and remember it. We never get the Star or the Mirror. I know, and I know, and I really think that that is outrageous. That we don't get the Star, Britain's greatest newspaper, for goodness sake. I'm going to go to, there's a website, Front Pages, that will, I'm sure, I've had, my my brain is completely frozen this morning. I'm sure we're missing a newspaper. Let's go, let's see what we've got here compared to... Find out what we're missing. What are you betting on? So we've got, well, I don't know, I can't think. We're missing the Telegraph. Do we normally get the Telegraph? Yeah, we do. It's yeah. a big one that I read. We normally get we normally get the Telegraph, and Matt's on the Telegraph. So what was on the front page of the Star? Oh, the, sorry, yes. That's, <laughs> <laughs> We're waiting. Uh, it's Decanio, I am not a racist. Oh, OK. Uh, brackets, so how do you explain the salute? And it's got him doing the, uh, the old naughty salute there that we, uh, we don't really do anymore. Okay. And the mirror is, uh, anyone can live on £7 a day says um, Ian Duncan Smith. Anyway, we're the, 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 so we're missing a newspaper with the uh, with Matt on, which is a shame. Maybe Matt's found out we've been dissing him on the show and he's he said, look, don't send my cartoons to BBC Three Counties anymore. They don't give me the respect I deserve. Oh, Matt, we give you plenty of respect. Let's have a look. The Times. One billion pounds planned to put Britain on the road to recovery. Osborne to underwrite new toll motorway. Britain's second toll motorway is to be given the green light <laughs> in an attempt to stimulate the faltering economy with capital spending. Ministers are set to revive a decade-old plan to ease congestion on the M4 in South Wales. Oh, it's in Wales, don't worry. As part of a multi-billion pound road-building scheme. It's only, it's only in Wales, don't worry, no one will use it. Uh, and there's a picture of Michelle Obama. She surely gets her teeth whitened. It's funny, because I was thinking of getting my teeth whitened the other day. I hate my teeth, they're a horrible shape, and they're a bit stained because I drink lots of tea. I just I hate teeth anyway. And I said, you want me to get my teeth whitened? I, did, I had it done once before for free, of course. And they bleach it. This bleach, it really hurt. It stung, it stung my, my teeth. How can your teeth 
sting. It did. And it didn't really make that much difference either. Anyway, she's got very white teeth. And she's reading a book. Goodness knows why that makes the front page of uh, The Times. Michelle Obama reads a book to children. Um, the Independent, um, Ian Duncan Smith is on the front page. Could Ian Duncan Smith survive on £53 a week? He says he could. So it's lucky he gets to live in his millionaire wife's listed ancestral home rent-free. Hey, TV executives, d- d- make a show. Channel 4, BBC 2, go on, make a show where Ian Duncan Smith lives on 53 quid a week for, I don't know, two months? You reckon he could do it? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's tough. The Guardian. Osborne, we will make work pay. Chancellor defends welfare changes as necessary to fix a broken system. Um, And uh, lambs to the slaughter. Melting snow reveals frozen carcasses. Oh, look, Paul Scoyne. Look, he's hot on the the trail. He's just texted me three minutes later the newspaper we're missing. Thank you. Paul, he's texted, The Telegraph, you fools. Well, thanks very much, Scoynes. Uh, The Daily Mail. Schools expel 15 sex bullies a day. Um, 15 children expelled from school for sexual misconduct on average every day. Really? Um, Truth about BBC welfare victim who dared IDS to live on £53. I think it's kind of irrelevant, really. The the, um, the Mail have found the gentleman that challenged Ian Duncan Smith to live on £53 a week, and they've discovered this gentleman is a self-confessed ducker and diver. David Bennett likes um, playing poker, and he's a ducker, he's self-employed ducker and diver. So, that doesn't weaken his argument. That doesn't detract from the fact that he's challenging a a, a millionaire to live on £53 a week, as some people on benefits will have to do. That's almost irrelevant. Turn to page six. Let's turn to page six and find out what we found about him. Um, So, uh, this gentleman, what is it, David Bennett. In February, he tweeted to two... uh, Ian Duncan, uh, he tweeted... Uh, to gambling tipsters telling them rough day today lads gonna have to find your magic potion again soon the month before he tweeted he'd won an accumulator bet at odds of 28 pounds uh, 28 to 1 he told bbc radio force today he had worked as a credit manager for most of his life until he was made redundant three years ago he set up a new business as a self-employed market trader and said he worked up to 70 hours a week sometimes working every day but that he earned only two thousand seven hundred pounds in 14 months Mr Bennett said he was forced to borrow money to pay his rent after the housing benefit was cut from £75 a week to £57 a week. It's kind of irrelevant because it doesn't really matter what he does with his money. Yes, there may be ways he could spend it slightly better and slightly more responsibly. But the impetus is on Ian Duncan Smith to prove he can live on 53 quid a week. Very quickly, the Daily Express, fish is key to a longer life. Yes, sure it is. And the sun, war vets boycott fascist Decanio. And there's a picture of Michael Bublé's um, wife, mother-to-be, in her pants. Fantastic stuff indeed. Right, 8.15, let's get the travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Hearts and Bucks Travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 anti-clockwise has solid queues, barely moving from junction 16 for the M40 to the closure of the carriageway at 15 for the M4. The queues are nasty and I'm bearing more bad news, I'm afraid. My speed sensors show the delays of over an hour and a half now. The M40 Western Avenue northbound is slow from the Denham roundabout as traffic heads towards the M25. It's also busy on the A1 Watford Way from Apex Corner towards Mill Hill Circus. Over in Stevenage, Broadhall Way, very heavy in both directions this morning. 
morning at Gunnelswood Road between the football ground and the A1M. And even further north, the A1 Great North Road, that's also got morning congestion from St. Neots Junction. There's queues all the way to the Black Cat Roundabout. Better news with the train, so Chiltern Railway have resumed a normal service. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Brooke. Right, it's 8.16. It's Tuesday the 2nd of April. I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four local men have been arrested after two football fans were attacked on their coach in Luton. It'll now cost you £2 to park at Luton Airport's drop-off zone. And in sport, it was a good start for Stevenage boss Graham Wesley as his side beat Hartlepool 1-0 yesterday. The weather today for beds, hearts and bucks, a cold and frosty but bright start. The rest of the day will remain dry and bright with some sunny spells. Maximum temperature is 7 degrees. Coming up, it's been dubbed one of the most radical plans in the history of the health service. From this week, GP-led groups will replace primary care trusts. Before 8.30, we'll find out what this could mean for local patients across the three counties. Who on earth is dialing my telephone at this time of the morning? Don't laugh! I normally, no, I normally have my phone 01582. What dialing code is that? Luton. <gasps> what oh, could be the boss? Oh, Ooh, I could be in trouble. I, I, I better just take this. Excuse me. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nick Coffer on BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday between 12 and 3, I'm here with a little bit of celebrity. I've always loved being a comedian because it's my job, so I'm going to keep doing that. I was voted Japan's number one male vocalist of the year, and I beat out Frank Sinatra. How's that? <laughs> Expert advice. It does sound like it's a mechanical pain brought on by altered mechanics in your upper limb. Your capital's protected because I'm guessing what you don't want to do is take any risks with the capital itself. And loads of really great music. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. I prefer cold to being hot. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Vernon Smith is here. He's com- uh, complaining uh, that um, I. It's carpet fitters. Oh, we're getting carpets fitted today. Why are they calling me? Just go and fit the carpets. I'm at work, for goodness sakes. Oh, this is the number that was just phoned to your mobile. Yes, it was. Could you could you do your thing? I need to a email carpet, my wife. Carpet fitter. Yeah, we're getting carpets fitted today, which means when I get home, I'll have the lovely smell of new carpet. Oh, I like that smell. What kind of carpet? Are they beige? Um, um, yeah, well I, well, I don't know what colour... Well, yeah, they're what do you kind mean of, you don't know? Well, it's just a carpet. You don't, don't know what colour carpet you're having? Well, I don't know. It's it's kind of like a like a light, light brown. Like an... Like an oak, oatmeal. An oatmeal, yes. Delicious. You can't eat it, <laughs> you fool. Imagine you crawling around on the no. floor. This carpet looks so delicious. <laughs> but I think... Uh, Talk, wh- I need to send an email, for goodness Why sake. Why are you sending an email about your carpets I've got to email my wife saying the carpet people are calling me for some reason. Yeah, but look, I've just turned up to come oh. and see you, and now you're turning your back on me and uh, emailing. Uh, uh, can you call 015... Is it a nylon or a wool? It's always oh, a nice one. Is it? Yeah, it's a nice one. Posh nice. carpets. Posh carpets. It's squishy. Have you gone for a decent underlay? Oh, for goodness sakes, Jonathan. Sometimes I you, can have a, you can have a very cheap carpet with a good quality underlay, and it gives you that nice quality squishy feel. Have you ever been to Buckingham Palace? Uh, yes, I have, yes. Have you felt the carpets at Buckingham Palace? Well, I've not been inside oh. Buckingham Palace. Oh, I have. How? Uh, well, I went for the open day. Ooh. Last summer. And uh, you walk around and you feel quality carpet. That's well, the Queen's want. not going to have a, a, a rough shag, is she? Of <laughs> course she's not. She's going to have something decent. Her, her, the Queen and Prince Philip are not going to have a rough shag. They're going to have a, something, something good. 
thick that you can, you know, you can really get stuck into. So How can I distance myself no, from this conversation really quickly? Sakes. Listen, that's what, that's what happens when you talk to me when I'm sending an email <laughs> to my wife. Have you sorted it out now? Yes. Good. Is £53 a week enough spending money for people on benefits? That's the big phone in this morning. You've been talking about this. The Work and Pension Secretary, Ian Duncan-Smith. Good double-barrelled name. You notice that. He's told the BBC he could live on £53 spending money per week. Since making this claim, over 25,000 people have gone online to sign a petition calling for Mr Duncan Smith to try living this way for a year. Do you reckon you could live on £53 a week spending money? No. No, not at all. No? No. Do you reckon you could? Yes. How? I worked it out. Um... I, I could do that. How? Well, you'd have to live very frugally. Yes. You'd have to live on... You'd have to cook for yourself, for, for a start. you probably have to do something like Nigella's Rapid Ragu. At oh, the beginning co- of the... What? Uh, no, no, you, you, you're ready. Look, you're showing how out of touch you are with the real world. Nigella's Rapid Ragu. Yes. Nigella's Rapid Ragu. You do oh, that gosh. at the weekend. Separate it in Tupperware pots. Oh, dear. You've got a dinner for pretty much every night of you the week. You haven't got a clue, have you? I've been a student, I was poor, and you just prepare, don't you? You just prepare. You can't live an extravagant life, you can't have Sky TV, you can't have an iPhone, you can't have all these various things, admittedly. But you can live on 53 a week, can't you? Or perhaps you can't. I don't think you can. What does that work out a day? Seven quid a day? Something like that. Yeah. Is that not enough? No, of course, it's nowhere near enough. Well, I don't understand why. <clears throat> okay, I tell you what. Here's, I'm, I'm laying down the challenge now. <clears throat> you do it for a week. I could, I could do it for a week. Go on then. Okay, next week. Right, starting next week. So yeah. we get a full week. Yes, I'll live on that. Okay, you're, gonna, you're actually no going to do it. Yeah. Okay. So for my breakfast, mm. I'll have two slices of uh, value <clears throat> bread. Yeah. With some some margarine. You're not going to have some um, uh, Herman Blumenthal's. Herman Blumenthal's. Um, no, you'd just have a bit of value brand toast yeah, okay. for lunch. Okay. Bit of what? No, well, 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 the challenge is down. You can do that next week. I can't do it for medical reasons. <laughs> I Look, this is surely <clears throat> £53. There'll yep. be loads of people live, uh, living on that, listening okay. to this programme this morning. Okay. They well, will. They will be, but it's, it's, it will be hard work. And I, I don't well, think... No one's saying it's not going to be hard work. I but don't think you can do it. Why don't you think I can do it? I, I think you will find it very, very difficult, and I think you will struggle. Okay. Well, we'll see, won't we? There's a tension in the air this morning. F- 53... I mean, admittedly, I'll have to cut back on the Pinot. Do they sell value brand Pinot? Finish up your thing. I've got guests coming on. Is £53 a week enough spending money for people on benefits? I want your views and your experiences as if you've lived on that from nine this morning on the big phone-in. 08459 455 555. I look forward to uh, listening to that. Okay. Are we still friends? Yeah. Well, it's a little bit tense, though. Oh, not for me. Oh, for me, just for me then. Just for you. <laughs> Get you out. Leave out the tension. <laughs> Get out, for goodness sakes. 08459 455 555. If you want to give Jonathan a call, or you can send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Now, it's been dubbed one of the most radical plans in the history of the health service, GP-led groups replacing primary care trusts. From this week, clinical commissioning groups are being put in charge of a large chunk of the NHS budget. The changes mean councils will be taking charge of public health. Well, Conservative Councillor Debbie Brock is chair of the Shadow 
Rainbow Health and Wellbeing Board at Milton Keynes Council. Good morning, uh, Councillor. Morning. And Good also morning. we've got Dr Jeremy Cox, who's a GP in Hitchin and is chairman of the Hertfordshire Medical Committee. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. Debbie, let's start with you. Local councils are taking over some of the responsibilities of the NHS. From now on, they'll be taking charge of public health. How does this work? Um, Public Health is um, coming into the local authority to um, really help advise and um, help with a sort of robust um, planning of services so that actually everyone's um, aligned in a far greater way than ever they were before um, to getting absolutely the very best outcomes for everybody. How will local councils do this differently from the NHS? Local councils, I think, have a far greater, a far more robust system of... um, governance, I suppose, and also um, the financial accountability. You know, our budget processes are um, extremely robust and and rigorous. And um, really, this is about, as I say, everybody aligning their efforts and working hard um, to get absolutely the maximum benefit out of this. And that's what this is really all about. Are you sure you're in a better position to do this than the medical professionals? Well, um, public health historically did sit sort of much more um, in, a, in a sort of local council type format anyway. Um, public health has come back to the local authority, if you like. So um, I think this is, this is um, a, very, a very good move. Um, you know, it, it is about um, preventing ill health and, um, and protecting public health. And as you said, you know, public health is a constituent part of um, health and wellbeing boards going forward. And that's the real change for... Um, the local authority, really. Doctor, let me just interrupt. Uh, Dr Cox, how do you feel about the changes? Um, I think we're not quite sure how they're going to work yet. Um, Of course, a lot of the people who'll be running public health were people who were working public health when it was in the PCTs, and a lot of the stuff they were commissioning from me as a GP, they're continuing to do. So, uh, to be honest, I don't think we know exactly how it's going to work yet. Uh, We'll see over the next few months. What are GPs saying? Um, they're saying let's hope things don't change for the worse, let's try and work with whoever is commissioning services from us uh, to make them work in the best way possible for patients. So is there a worry amongst doctors that this won't work? Um, I think a a really big change, like you said this is, um, is always a worry. Um, I think change often makes people uncomfortable and can be difficult. What are you worried about? What What could go wrong with this? Um, I think we're in a difficult time in the NHS. Uh, Money is tight um, and big changes, moving uh, responsibility from people who we've known for some time to a new group uh, makes us feel anxious that they'll be able to do the job in the right way. Debbie, are are people aware of these changes, Debbie? I think they are. I think, you know, they've been very much heralded by that, by that act last year. And um, it, I think the other thing you, ha- you have to remember is that public health has been um, moving across to councils over the last sort of, over the last year, really. Um, and CCGs, as, as your, you know, your, your, your guests will, will know, um, have also been operating in shadow form, as has the Shadow Health and Wellbeing Board. So it's not as if suddenly all the cards are up in the air last night and settling today. Um, you know, people have had a run-in, and CCGs have been going through um, an authorisation process, and in Milton Keynes, ours was authorised in, I think, about February time. So, um, you know, the roles have been moving, um, in, and it's finally, you know, the responsibility that... that 
that that that changes as of last last uh, sorry yesterday, um, and and it, it's a welcome I think it's a welcome change. Um, you know, public health one of their guiding sort of principles is the glass half full. Um, you know, the asset approach to how we can improve community health and well-being, um, and, and and it really is the ethos for the health and well-being board going going forward. That you know we're all there to ensure that the needs of local populations are met. Debbie, how will we know? How can we measure whether this is, has been a success or not? How long do we give it, and, and what signs of improvement will there be from the, the, the previous system? Well, talking, you know, talking from the Health and Wellbeing Board point of view, um, one of the things that we've done in our shadow phase is to put together a strategy um, how we think we're going to improve the health and well-being for people in Milton Keynes. Um, you know, it's very much a partnership board, although it's a, a committee of the council. Um, it's there it, to bring together GPs and other health professionals, um, the local health watch who represent the views of patients, um, and, and uh, we're there to enact this, this strategy um, to improve well-being, reduce early deaths and tackle major diseases, and um, to start reducing those health inequalities that exist um, in the community. Debbie, thank you very much uh, indeed. The two voices you heard there were Councillor Debbie Brock, and uh, the other voice was Dr Jeremy Cox, who is a GP in Hitchin. 08459 455 555 is the number if you want to give us a call. All right, let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Brooke. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. There are nasty queues on the M25 anti-clockwise from Junction 16 for the M40. It's uh, slow all the way to 15 for the M4. Delays of over an hour and a half there. The carriageway is completely closed for investigation work to an accident earlier. And these queues are causing problems on the M40 as well into London, where it's queuing from Junction 2 at Beaconsfield towards the M25. Further east in Bricketwood, North Orbital Road has a usual rush hour congestion at the roundabout for the M25. The M25 clockwise, that's also slow through the roadwork between Junction 22 at St Albans to 23 for South Mims. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Brooke. Right, nearly 8.30. Let's get the latest news and sport now. Here's Serena Farrow. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Four local men have been arrested after two Kidderminster fans were attacked on their coach in Luton yesterday. Meanwhile, parking charges have doubled at Luton Airport's drop-off zone. It'll now cost £2 for 15 minutes. The Chancellor will defend the benefits shake-up later on. He's expected to say that the changes introduced this month will mean around 9 out of 10 working households will be better off. Stay listening as JVS will be asking, is £53 a week enough spending money for people on benefits? All that from 9 o'clock this morning. Morning. And clinical commissioning groups across beds, hearts and books, which are led by GPs, have now taken charge of a large portion of the NHS budget. That's the news. Now let's have a look at the morning sport. Beds, Hearts and Bucks Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. So Dean Bowditch and Stephen Gleeson helped MK Dons to victory yesterday. They beat Brentford 2-0, which boosts the Dons to 10th and keeps their playoff hopes alive. Staying with League One and Graham Wesley seems to be a good-luck charm for Stevenage. He took charge of his first match since his return to the club. His side beat Hartlepool 1-0 with a goal coming from Max Emma. And it doesn't just stop there, as Wesley's hopeful for more success. I guess the club you know, wants to progress and I want some where you know again where I, I can progress further so um, you know ambition I suppose is the is the link that uh, keeps myself and Stevenish together 
Luton a ninth, having lost to conference leaders Kidderminster Harriers 2-1. In championship news, Leeds United manager Neil Warnock's parted company with that club. Warnock left his job round two hours after Leeds 2-1 defeat by Derby. And finally, KC Stadium tonight. Second place, Hull play third place, Watford. A win for Gianfranco Zola's side would move them to within a point of Hull. BBC Three Counties Radio, there'll be more from me at nine. You gave it a bit of an accent there. Did I? Yeah, it was good. You, no, not that. Oh. Gianfranco Zola. Zola. Can, yeah. can we have it again? Gianfranco Zola. There we go. It's fantastic. Mm. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It was a French accent, but never mind. Never mind indeed. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here pretty much every weekday between six and nine o'clock. JVS takes over at nine. Always a cracking listen. Thoroughly enjoyable. Coming up in the last 28 minutes of the show... Well, we've been reporting this all morning, and this is thanks to uh, a gentleman. And this just shows we had a phone call at 20 past five from a gentleman who'd spotted this. It's become one of the big stories on the show, so if, if, if you want to, uh, to take part or you've spotted something, do get in touch and let us know, either on the phone or via the email. It's the story about if you want to drop a passenger off at Luton Airport, well, the, the, the charges have increased. It was, it was a pound for ten minutes before, and now it's two pounds for fifteen minutes. I've always thought this charge was a little bit cheeky, and it was brought to our attention by Alan in Harpenden. He gave us a call spotted the extra charge this morning when he was dropping his daughter off. Well, I was quite surprised. I had a pop along to drop, drop my daughter off, and uh, quarter to five is a good time to get there, I think. And I was, you, you pull in normally, pay your pound, ten minutes, and off you go. And there's a sign standing there saying two pounds. I thought, this is a bit um, April Fool's, perhaps, is it? Mm. But no, it's 100% rise. And I was there three days earlier, picking her up, and it's 100% rise. So I was able to speak to the chap who was by the barrier. I said, is this, is this right? When did this happen? Oh, it happened this morning, he said. He managed to contain his smile. He was very pleasant about it. But I've only got a pound. I've only driven from Harpenden. I didn't expect to spend two pounds. So he very kindly raised the barrier and I was on my way. But it left me with a strange feeling, 100% pay rise there. Well, we've been trying to get hold of the airport all morning, but no one is available to comment as of yet. Our reporter, Justin Daly, luckily had an extra quid in his pocket and has been talking to the people dropping off passengers this morning. Justin, what, what have people been saying about this? Well, Ian, I can tell you one thing, they are not happy. I, I've got a challenge for our listeners uh, between now and nine. So it's gone from £1 for 10 minutes to £2 for 15 minutes. Yeah. I want to know what exciting things can be done in five minutes minutes in a drop-off zone if we're going to get the full <laughs> value for money here please get in contact i want some ideas here oh wait four five nine four double five five double five you've got an extra five minutes in the <laughs> drop-off zone how are you going to fill it absolutely well earlier on i was in the drop-off zone at Luton airport people there not happy this is what they had to say tony you're here this morning in the drop-off zone you've noticed the charges have gone up to two pounds what's your reaction to that sir? Uh, my reaction is it's quite appalling really because i mean it's it's a it's a convenient place for people to stop and drop off, and when you think of the size of the airport, it needs it and it needs a capacity to go through and flow. But for two pounds, it's ridiculous. With the amount of time you stay here, yeah, it's quite scandalous. You now get an extra five minutes. I presume you won't need that extra no, five minutes anyway. No, absolutely not. No. Okay, and just Completely. lastly, why can't you use the free car park? Um, 
Well, just because of the family and stuff like that, we need to get dropped off quickly and get moving because, you know, getting through the airport is much more complex these days, particularly with all the security. Mm. So it's really a quick turnaround and get back out again. Jackie, it's gone from a pound to two pounds. Your reaction, please? Well, I do think it's a, a huge rise to double the money in one hit. You know, um, I just can't understand why they have to go up 100%. I mean, funny enough, when you came to the airport this morning, you and your husband were having that exact conversation anyway, weren't you? Well, we were. I mean, funny enough, before we leave in the morning, we actually say, have you got a pound for the for the charge? And when we came in here and saw it was two, we quickly scrambled around. Have you got another one? Are you being ripped off? Oh, definitely. For the sake of, what is it, ten minutes, and then, you're, then your car's towed away. You know, so you're, you're paying a pound anyway, we thought was quite high for ten minutes, but two pound, yes, I think well, that's it's now two off. pound for 15 minutes. You get an extra five oh. minutes. <laughs> wow. It doesn't take an extra five minutes to for somebody to jump out of the car, and, and it doesn't even take us ten minutes. So we actually thought a pound was a rip-off for uh, however long it takes to drop someone off. Well, Lindsay, you're in the drop-off zone this morning, yeah. been dropping your husband off. This yeah. two pound charge, you're not happy at all. Can you tell us why? Um, well, I've got a like baby in the car here, so we can't park anywhere else. And um, I just think it's a bit um, too much, really, because it's only for a few minutes. And um, £2 is rather a lot. So you don't feel like you're getting value for money no, at all? No, not at all. It's, it's been like a pound for ages. There's also, there's, there's like no sign down there, so you don't know how much it is. Um, so I think it's a bit of like a rip-off, yeah. You get an extra five minutes now. An extra five minutes, do we? Yes. Oh, well, that's that's something, I suppose. But you, but you don't really need it. So you really, you, um, you sort of um, just come here and um, then you leave. So I think it's a bit too much. Really. Okay. And just lastly, some of our listeners may say, why can't you use the free car park for thirty minutes? Well, I've got a baby in the car, so using the, the like free car park would be a bit of a nightmare. But I think we actually need this here. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. What do you think? Is it a bit of a con? I, I do like Luton Airport, but it seems very cheeky. And what would you do? with the extra five minutes. Well, Justin, people there, not not happy with it at all, are they? No, clearly not happy. Some of them, of course, uh, were shocked about it as well. Uh, they believe there was no warning about this. And, of course, if you stay longer than 50 minutes, you will be fined £80. Pounds. But, but uh, those people saying, there, well, the extra five minutes, I don't need the extra five minutes because I come into this drop-off zone, I'm here for literally two, three minutes absolute tops, and then I drive away. The idea, of course, is to reduce congestion in the area but as you heard there from some of those people if they've got children in the car yeah. and flights coming in we know flights can be delayed they can even be early in what? so but yes i know they can even be early some flights so some people are saying it's all very well having that free 30 minutes but i need to be here in this drop-off zone and you two do. pounds for 50 minutes as far as they're concerned is too much you do if you've got kids in the car if you've got kids getting on the plane you've got elderly people you need to be able to get as close as you can to the airport mm. boom get them out get the things out two minutes three minutes top angela uh, on Facebook has said maybe everyone should use the 15 minutes the airport would be gridlocked <laughs> we go from Heathrow or Gatwick now it's a, the thing is I do like Luton Airport and, I, I, yeah. and I'm not the, the, one of the presenters here that knocks Luton Airport all the time I think it's cracking but there are people and I'll read some more of the Facebook comments out in a bit there are people that are not very happy with it and this is another thing to be unhappy about well I think in terms of Luton Airport is something that everybody in Luton can be very very proud of it's a, a very very successful airport I've been reporting from that airport for, for a good 10 years or so now. You often hear people saying,
saying it is a wonderful airport, so convenient, but when you think about the prices for parking, the prices for the trolleys, the, the prices for the bags, I think some people feel like the mickey has been taken there, and you've heard the views from people this morning, again, clearly not happy. I didn't speak to one person in, and for anybody who thinks, did you find anybody who thinks that £2 was good value for money, but you didn't play it, I can guarantee you right now, I did not speak to one person who thinks this new charge of £2 for 15 minutes is good value for money. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Well, maybe you, maybe you do think it's good value for money. 08459 four double five five double five. Are we making a mountain out of the proverbial? Or do you think it's a rip-off? And you've got an extra five minutes in the drop-off zone. How are you going to fill it? 08459 four double five five double five. Well, Chris Yates is an independent aviation expert. Morning, Chris. Uh, morning, Ian. Is this reasonable, £2 for a 15-minute drop-off? Well, 100% rise. Uh, you know, there's an argument to suggest that uh, it's not reasonable. And uh, also an argument to suggest that uh, more more notice ought to have been given a debate with the uh, people who use the airport essentially uh, as to whether the, the the additional charge is warranted but I would make the point here that you know uh, airports uh, have to make money uh, to 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 be uh, to 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 operate the services that they operate um, and if that uh, um, cost of operation is not coming from the airlines, then it will have to come from the passengers. It does seem a little bit cheeky, though, Chris, to, to um, expect people to pay a, co- a couple of quid for 15 minutes when normally dropping off takes about two minutes tops. Mm. And I, I mean, I use I use Luton, I use Heathrow a lot as well when we fly out to Greece uh, to visit family. And the, the drop-off in Heathrow, I know it's bigger... But it works perfectly. People drop off, and if you're there too long, there's a couple of traffic wardens who kind of knock, knock on the window and say, right, you have to move now. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 seems, it seems to work. Yeah, uh, but then you've got to remember uh, that in terms of the, the cost of operation, uh, Heathrow is an awful lot bigger, of course. Mm. It has a lot of those legacy airlines that pay an awful lot of money for the services that uh, are provided by the airport itself. So a lot of their costs are covered. But if you look at the business model of somewhere like Luton Airport, it is predominantly a low-cost operation from there. And uh, it has to be said that low-cost airlines put pressure on airports consistently to reduce costs, reduce costs, and reduce costs to them uh, to the extent that you possibly get to a point where you have to recoup the cost of operation from somewhere else and this may well be one example of that well earlier on in the show chris we spoke to uh, tony dixon the editor of airliner world magazine and he was he he, he seemed uh, adamant that this wasn't to raise money this was purely to ease congestion are, are you convinced by that well both ways you can look at it both ways yes there is a congestion issue and uh, yes uh, you could argue that this is to ease that congestion uh, the other side of that argument, of course, will be to uh, make the drop-off zone an, uh, an awful lot bigger uh, to accommodate the, the, the amount of traffic passing through, the amount of people passing through it. But, of course, that implies that somebody has to spend an awful lot of money. Chris, thank you very much indeed. Chris Yates, independent aviation expert. What do you think? If you l- use Luton Airport a lot... Maybe you use it for business, or you go away on holidays, or you're a taxi driver. I did always find the quid for 10 minutes a little bit cheeky. Two quid for 15 minutes. 
08459 four double five five double five and also you've got five extra minutes in the drop-off zone how are you going to fill them now there's uh, the papers are filled with this uh, ian duncan smith claiming he could live on uh, 53 pounds uh, a week well jonathan vernon smith has, has risen to the challenge john's in dunstable morning john good morning ian J- jvs is going to do this next week well good luck to him i'm sure he'll manage it quite easily ian do you reckon uh, I do. It was just a question of a little bit of clarification, really. I mean, does that is that just for exclusively for food? I'm just reading. I don't think so. We, we will clarify this, and you're right to point that out. Thank you very much, John. I'm just skimming through the Independent to see exactly uh, what... I'm thinking, you know, bus fares for job interviews, clean materials from the house. Is it just one person? Any heating costs? You raise a good point. We're going to investigate this further. I'm trying to see. It, it doesn't specify exactly what. I would imagine it would, it would cover transport. It would cover food. Um, we, John, we will, you, you're right to flag this up. You can, you've caught me on the and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, Jim. You, you must mention to JVS to yes. bypass Waitrose and head towards Audi. Yes, oh my goodness. Because for Audi, I reckon for 20 quid a week, you could easily feed one person. Could you ima- can you imagine JVS it, no. in Audi? It'd be sooner than he is now. Yeah. It'd be awful. I know. Um, but you can get a bottle of Pinot in there. <laughs> can you? How much? Uh, £4.99. Well, I, he's just going to spend his 53 quid on that. He's going to buy 10 bottles of that. It'll be sorted. John, listen, thank you very much for raising that. You, you did get, get me on the uh, back foot slightly. You're correct to raise that. We need to clarify this. Um, this £53 uh, a, a week. Exactly what it means. It's definitely food. I would imagine transport's included in that as well. Certainly any luxuries would be included uh, in that. Barry from Hemel says, 53 quid per week. I wish a pensioner on basic st- state pension has nowhere this... Uh, do the sums. I know there's something missing there. I can't quite work out. Anyone can live on £53 a week. Week in and week out is different. It's very hard, but can be done. A meagre existence, though. Got to be a strong character to stay happy on it. Dawn. Does the 53... Uh, yes, we've, we've addressed this. Does this include exclude food items already has in his luxury flat, plus the electric and gas he already has on? He needs to deduct those costs, plus water from the £53 before he starts. Otherwise, it's unrealistic. Well, 08459 Five is the telephone number. Look, Jonathan Vernon Smith has messaged me. Actually, actually, I do my shopping in Aldi every week. Photographic evidence, JVS. Otherwise, it didn't happen. Please. Travel news. (laughs) Here's Brooke Perfett. Beds, hearts, and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. The problems continue on the M25 anti-clockwise as queuing from junction 16 for the M40 to 15 for the M4. The anti-clockwise carriageway is closed for investigation work to an accident earlier and it's taking traffic about an hour and a half to pass through those queues. It's also causing a knock-on effect on the M40 into London which is queuing from junction 2 at Beaconsfield. The M25 clockwise is slow this morning because through the roadworks between junction 22 at St Albans to 23 for South Mims and the anti-clockwise that's also heavy at junction 25 for Enfield. The M1 into London is moving about 30 miles an hour between junction 10 at Luton Airport Spur Road to 7 in Hemel Hempstead and in Stevenage finally Broadhall Way is uh, busy in both directions between the football ground and the A1M. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Brooke, thank you very much. Right, 8.46, I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Four local men have been arrested after football fans were attacked on their coach in Luton. Parking charges have increased at Luton Airport's drop-off zone. 
And in sports, Stevenage and NK Dons tasted victory yesterday, but Luton lost 2-1 to Kidderminster Harriers. Coming up, we'll get more on the story that football fans were attacked in Luton yesterday. Before nine, we'll hear from Luton Town Supporters Club and the local ambulance service. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. But now let's get the latest weather with Lara Lewington. Beds, Hearts and Bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, it may be looking bright and sunny out there today, but don't be deceived, it's still very chilly. Those temperatures up to just 7 degrees. By tonight, we're going to see an increase in cloud cover, and overnight, that means the temperatures aren't going to drop as low as they may have done otherwise, down to about minus 1, which is still pretty chilly for this time of year. And, in fact, the easterly winds making it feel even colder than those figures. Now, throughout tomorrow, that cloud could translate into the odd shower, possibly even a little bit of sleet or snow but certainly nothing substantial and tomorrow's temperature is similar to the highs of today's thank you very much tonight three counties sport concentrates on the top of the championship there's a decent effort they've hit the crossbar and it's gone in we're live from the kc stadium in hull as watford hope to continue their assault on automatic promotion Dini inside the box can he cut it back for Fincher. here is martin Fincher who scores and puts watford ahead you can hear the whole game live on fm am online and digital radio and Dini has scored three counties sport tonight from seven on bbc three counties radio here until nine o'clock, then JVS, who is c- has convinced me he shops in Aldi already. It will be on at nine o'clock. Now, a football fan has been stabbed and another taken to hospital after their coach was attacked in Luton. It happened yesterday in Dunstable Road near the Mansfield Road Junction. Gary Sanderson is from the East of England Ambulance Service. Morning, Gary. Good morning to you. Gary, what can you tell us about what happened yesterday? Well, we received a call just, be- just before half past five to Mansfield Road. Um, reports of uh, two people being stabbed. Thankfully, both received non-life-threatening injuries and they were conveyed to hospital uh, in one ambulance. And, and how are the men doing? Do we know? Do we have any word on that? Uh, not as far as we're aware. Um, as I say, they were non-life-threatening, you know, minor, minor injuries, really. So I would have thought they would have been discharged later last night. Okay. Uh, but thankfully, not serious. Do you see much of this kind of stuff in Luton, or, uh, Gary, or is this a rarity? Uh, stabbings are on the increase throughout the region, throughout the country, uh, sadly. You know, it's uh, a very uh, frightening thing for our crews to deal with, you know, but it does happen, sadly, and, uh, and we, we do respond to them. Gary Sunson from the East of England Ambulance Service, thank you very much. We can speak now to Steve Millington, who is the chairman of the Kidderminster Harriers Independent Supporters Trust. Morning, Steve. Good morning. Steve, what have you heard about what happened yesterday? Uh, Well, reports are a little bit sketchy, uh, as it happens. I didn't manage to travel down to the game myself. Um, We understand that uh, a coach was attacked about a mile away from the ground in the convoy of coaches uh, uh, being escorted by the police. Um, It seems that um, somebody uh, either threw something at one of the coaches or or, uh, something happened to to cause uh, a bit of a hold-up and... um, some people got off the last uh, coach, which uh, wasn't one officially organised by Kidminster Harriers, I'm told, uh, to, um, in inverted commas, remonstrate with uh, the person. Um, we don't even understand that uh, one of the people on that coach uh, was a Luton Town fan travelling with the Kidminster support. Um, he'd come down with some of his mates to, to follow his team, and uh, obviously uh, 
take it he wasn't um, too keen on the uh, on the attack uh, made on the coach by uh, some of the local people but um as uh, the the ambulance uh, chap says there, we understand the uh, injuries weren't life-threatening and uh, we're pleased to hear that, but uh, obviously it's a, a deplorable state of affairs and uh, the sort of thing that uh, is not needed in football or in, or in society in general. Is Would something like this put your club off coming back to Luton? Uh, well, I wouldn't thought so. I mean, obviously people will, will bear it in mind, I would think, um, uh, when... Uh, when considering uh, visiting Luton uh, in the future, but uh, uh, it's, it's just one of those sad state of affairs that uh, it could happen almost anywhere, really. Um, and it's uh, it's just it's just not needed, is it? Steve, thank you very much indeed. We can speak now to Kevin Barrett, who chairs Luton Town Supporters Club. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Morning. It's not great, and we have been saying all morning this probably isn't anything to do with football and the football fans, but listen, I've only been to Luton Town once. Uh, I'm a very casual football goer. This kind of thing happening so close to the ground would certainly make me question about going back to a football match there. Yeah, I think I think as the previous chap said, um, you know, we have to draw a distinction here in the fact that it looks like it probably wasn't mm. um, directly football related, um, and therefore I suppose you know these sort of incidents could happen, um, you know, anywhere and in any circumstances, not just with um, you know with with, with with a football coach, um, but. Um, I agree with you. There will be plenty of people like yourself um, out there who may look at this and think, "Oh, well, there's been an attack in Luton," and it, and it does not just the football club, but the whole town um, of, of, of Luton. Um, no help, really. How will it affect Luton Town Football Club? Because they, 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 they have, you know, been stories in the past about Luton Town, but it's, it's cleaned up its image. It's got a pretty good image. Things like this aren't going to help, are they? Whether it's connected to football or not. Um, no, I'd say, I mean, you know, the, the fact that it's, you know, it's the top story at the moment, um, you know, relating to, relating to Luton doesn't, doesn't do us, uh, do us any favours. Um, you know, I guess, you know, the police, um, and, and, and what have you will have their own, um, thoughts on, um, on, you know, on what actually happened. Um, it was interesting to hear that the, uh, that the coaches were actually being escorted, um, um, away from the ground, which is obviously done to, um, to A, speed up the exit of the fans and the coaches away from the ground and stop incidents like this happening so without knowing the full background to exactly what happened um, it's difficult to comment but um, you know, as I say, I think you know it's one of those things. Without you know, you know, I obviously wish you know the, the fans that were injured, um, you know, all the best. But um, you know, I think it's one of those things that will blow over. I don't think it's going to be one of those things that's going to stick in people's minds and think, oh, Luton Town, that's where um, two fans got stabbed, kind of thing. Um, and you know, you do hear of this on the continent. You know, fans travelling away. You know, Spurs fans over the last couple of seasons and what have you, having been targeted. And uh, you know, does it stop them? traveling no i don't think it does um it, you know it's, it's deplorable it shouldn't happen um it's a indictment on our society but mm. uh, i think to uh, to to pin it too closely to the football club would be uh, w- w- would be an injustice on uh, on, on luton town kevin apart from the um, the the run of luck in the fa cup luton town are playing terribly why do you bother supporting them in in the hope that uh, that it'll actually turn uh, turn around. Um, Can they? Are, uh, 
I think so. I mean, not this season. I think you know. I think most uh, most football fans are are resigned to the fact that we are where we are. We're not going to get relegated. He says, touching wood. Um, and um, uh, you know, it's a case of you know, you know, we've got a new manager in there. He needs some time. He's doing a bit of tinkering. You know, you know, we will get back to uh, you know to, uh, to to good times again um, at, at some point. And you know, we've just got to be we've just got to be patient. Um, the only thing I can put it down to, to be honest, for the people who do turn out, it ends up being an addiction. You sit there on a Saturday if you didn't go, thinking, "What am I going to do today?" Kind of thing. You know, it is addictive football. Um, that's the only thing I can put it down to. John Steele, new manager. Any good? I've liked what he's done so far. You're, he- you're hesitating there, Kevin. He's- you're hesitating. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to take a view from my own point of view. Yes, I think I, 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 the honest, my honest opinion is yes, I think he's really good, good news for the football club. But I also know that he's going to be chalk and cheese. He's not going to turn it round um, overnight. And the question in the back of my mind is: Is the fan base as a whole going to give him the time that he needs um, to do this? This is not an overnight um, job. Um, it's not a case of next season turning up and winning every single game. And unfortunately. There are a number of fans out there who who, who sort of believe that, and, and my concern is that if after the first six to seven games of the season things aren't quite going exactly how um, how certain sections of the fans think it should be going, that they end up turning on John Steele, and we end up back you know back to square one where you know where we've been for the last three seasons. Kevin, so. Kevin, listen, I'm promoting you. You're the manager. Who are you going to get rid uh, of, and who are you going to sign well, up? God. Come on, I want, to, I, want, uh, I want you to get rid of two and get in two new players. I think he's been... Oh, come come on, Kevin, who here, are you going to get rid of? You're not always squirming oh, out of this. Uh, very difficult. With, uh, being put on the spot like that, it's impossible to say. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm going to... You I'm must have squirm. played this game in the pub, come on. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Um... Personally, um, I'm not sure about Ainge. Yep. If I was being pushed to get rid of uh, rid of players, um, Ainge will go. Yeah, Ainge's uh, out. Anyone else? One more. One more that you, you... Scott Rendell. No, no, no. I mean, I'm probably going to probably going to be fans screaming at the radio now. Scott Rendell, I think he's a decent player, yeah. um, and, and 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 no, I think he, I, I think he's he, he's got a role. Um, who else? I don't know. I mean, I think. I'm not sure. I, I, again, uh, you know, just people are going to be screaming at the radio. Andre sure. Gray surely has to be on his way out, doesn't he? But I think, I think possibly from the point of view that the fact that um, someone else is going to come in for him. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I, he wouldn't be on my list to say, okay. uh, say, say let's let's get rid of him. Kevin, listen, I, I'm going to let you go. I put you on the spot. I could hear you squirming and faltering. You 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 took it like a good sport, Kevin, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much indeed, Kevin Barrett, who chairs Luton Town Supporters Club. That was that was a bit mean of me. And Kevin, you're a good sport. And thank you to Work Experience Ollie, who was making it sound like I knew anything about football i just did a whole 10 minutes about football i know nothing about it whatsoever and ollie was uh, was prompting me with with some of the names i would have bluffed my way pretty well but with some of the names and thank you kevin uh, for being a very good sport what, what, don't forget one of the stories we've been talking about this morning is the increase in charges at um uh, luton airport it's been quite luton based the show this morning we'll spread it out a bit tomorrow don't worry uh, and we got that story because a gentleman phoned us up at 20 past five this morning who'd have thunk it the phones rang and we all 
panicked. But it, it's a reminder, it's a good way. If you spot something, he was just coming out of the car park and it cost him an extra quid that he didn't have. If you spot something that you think we should be talking about on the show or on the station as a whole, do get in touch. You can call us anytime, 08459 455 555, or send me an email. JVS, uh, the JVS, that's the other one, that's the other fella. Don't send it to him. Give it to me, we'll pass on the scraps. Uh, Ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. I-A-I-N dot L-double-E at bbc.co.uk. Right. Travel news now. Here's Brooke Burfitt. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, I'm afraid there's been little change to the very long delays on the M25 anti-clockwise. The carriageway is shut at Junction 15 for the M4 because of investigation work to an earlier accident. Traffic is having to divert onto the M4. That's causing queues back from Junction 16. Because of this, the M40 is queuing onto the M25 from Junction 2 at Beaconsfield. And nearby on the A40 Western Avenue, heading out of London, one lane is blocked by a breakdown at the Swakeleys roundabout. Further west in Marlow, the A404 has rush hour traffic between Marlow Junction and the High Wycombe Handy Cross roundabout and the M1 into London as moving at about 30 miles an hour between Junction 10 at Luton Airport, Spur Road to Junction 7 and 8 in Hemel Hempstead. Brooke Burfitt, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Brooke. Well, I've just had Jonathan in my ear t- confirming he does shop in Lidl and um, d- doing... D- Aldi. <laughs> He's just corrected me. Not Lidl, it's Aldi, for goodness sakes. Get it right. He'll explain more after this. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. People have the wrong idea about me. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And on today's big phone-in, is £53 a week enough 